Welcome back to He's a Giant, a pod about all things college football and all things Giants football. I'm your host, Sal, with my co-host, Monty, and our special guest co-host, Justin Panic from Talking Giants. I'm going to start with you, Justin. We can ignore Monty. We've heard his voice enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, man. How are you doing? Fellas, what's going on? I'm very thankful to be on this show. Um, and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you right from the start why I'm, why I'm very happy to be on this show in particular, because I, I at this point, I am such a huge fan of just unique shows, you know, not, not just, Hey, an, an, another giants podcast or another sports podcast or whatever, but y- what you guys do is so niche. I think it's necessary, especially for, for this time of the year. And man, in, in a way, because of how disastrous this giant season was, it was the perfect, it was literally, I was telling Monty this at a tailgate. It was literally the perfect time to start a yeah. podcast and a show centered around this because this is what people are craving and now you know we're you know we're post senior bowl combine will be coming up and obviously the draft at the end of april um you know feels close but it also feels so far away because there's so much to get done and there's so much to do this show is absolutely perfect i listened to some of your senior bowl previews on the way down to mobile alabama uh the benadryl that i took disagreed with me so i may have slept (laughs) through some of them but that is not that is none of your none of your faults um that's why i'm really glad to be on this show because like this is such a unique show and as a as a creator who you know I, i do a couple different things I'm a fan of just good ideas and unique ideas, and certainly this is one, and I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, uh, you know, I guess the Giants lost our gain when in the case of this, but uh, 100. Um, percent yes. <laughs> but yeah, man, you're you're our first guest, Justin. So we're glad no to way. have it. Yep, you're our first you guest, and I couldn't think of a better person because Justin, I believe you were our first five star review. You offered help to us like right away, and we were starting up the show. Like I said in the tailgates you've offered us you know advice and encouragement so really appreciate you coming on and appreciate all your help along the way justin no thank you man let's uh let's rock and roll i can obviously talk you know it's crazy that all the like the the advice like whatever you know whatever stuff i have it's so much not it's so much not about football you know because there's so much else to there's so much more to like running a show and and doing this content thing outside of just actually talking football but i want I don't want to get into that. Let's let's <laughs> let's talk some ball. Let's talk some Giants. All right, all right. So what we're going to do for everybody uh, watching and listening is we're going to go into go through a little bit of the uh, Giants news in this episode, um, and then we're going to get into some some senior role talk with Justin. So Justin, the big news coming out of Giants uh, Giants land right now is the whole fiasco, and then I guess correction of fiasco with the coaching changes. So. Um, we got news today that the Giants promoted, I guess, uh, Mike Kafka to assistant head coach. Uh, what, what did they give Sherry Tierney? Passing game coordinator. Yep. And then uh, Jerome Henderson got passing game defensive coordinator. All promotions, I, I assume they come with uh, with some money. Um, so. And yeah. Hmm. And then obviously we just hired Shane Bowen as our defensive coordinator. So let, let's get your thoughts on on whatever part of that you want to hit. I mean, I'll, I'll start off with the titles, and I'll be and I'll be quick on it. I don't know how much stock I, I take into it. I'm glad and happy, simply for the sake of even if it's PR, um, I'm happy with that. I I would be happy. It has to be a, a pay upgrade, right? It has to be a pay raise. That so I'm even happy with that because if you're leaving the season and you're a staff member of the Giants and you're not, and you're not really thrilled with how Brian Dable treated you, and you're not thrilled with what maybe how Brian Dable just operates his day to day. You know, if you if you get a if you get a pay increase that results in three zeros at the end of it, I think that may make you a little bit more happier, right? It would make me happier. Um, <laughs> so, 
that that's that to to start um the really where it lies for me and i think kafka is the most important piece of this it's the most important part of this is kafka should call plays if kafka's here there should be a plan at least to start the season and if it doesn't go well and if dable through four weeks six weeks eight weeks whatever says hey this isn't going to work let's take away play calling from you again and Kafka seems to be a good soldier, unlike, you know, Wink Martindale wasn't really the best of soldiers and not really willing to, you know, bear it out through the season. And then, you know, Wink Martindale could have resigned at the end of the season. No, but he had to, you know, do a whole pout, pouty fest and the relationship got really toxic. But Kafka seems to be a little bit more of an adult and can take whatever criticism Dable throws at him. Um, I think at least to start the season, there needs to be an understanding between Dable and Kafka that Kafka should be calling plays. Um, I think Kafka did enough in 2022 to prove it. Um, and if, if he's still here and they did not grant that lateral jump, I think they should, I think Dable should at least grant that to start the season and give Kafka another shot. Uh, I think we both very much agree with you. We we've talked about this. I mean, I still like, I'm happy to have Kafka here and even you know increasing other responsibilities to do it with making a system head coach. You know, that's something, something you can give to him, but I still hope it comes with play calling and, I, I am I'm coming from the exact same spot as you, Justin, where, you know, if you know, it is like a make or break season for Dable. And if he decides ultimately he needs to pull that, that's fine. But he's proved enough to get a chance. And one thing I'll add to that, if you're going to pull it, only pull it from it after the game. You know that you're an emotional person in game. No more pulling in game shit. Make a uh, sound decision after a game that do I want to pull play calling from this guy? Yes or no. Stop trying to make a decision in game and just ride it out and see how it plays out. Because that's where that's where a lot of his problems is what has fallen in line. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know if he's gonna be calling plays, man. Like I feel like maybe I'm reading too much into this, but you know, the I feel like the promotion to assistant head coach and then also promoting Tierney makes me feel like they're giving themselves latitude to say, you know what, we might choose to call plays in certain situations or take it away from you. And we want you to be okay with that. So I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm with you. Like, I don't think you should deny Kafka the ability to go and basically run the whole offense in Seattle under Mike McDonald uh, while taking away a critical part of being an OC. But, you know, I, I'll be honest, I think this has Mara and Shane kind of stepping in, written all over it, and saying, you know, mea culpa, we screwed up. Uh, whatever happened with Dable is a screw up, the behavior, and uh, thanks for staying. Please don't leave. Here's some money. Here's some title, you know? Um, so I, I don't know what they're going to do, but it sure feels like this was an intervention from above. That That's how it, how it felt to me when I saw the news. I'm glad there was. Yeah, I, I, there, this is the situation where I don't mind if – Mara is stepping down being like, I realize that Mike Kafka is an advantage to the Giants, which I do. I do think, I think Mike Kafka is an advantage to the New York Giants. I mean, you see, especially in 2022, it was really impressive. You know, despite them not being explosive is how good they were in the red zone. Like they were, they were one of the best top six, maybe top five Uh teams in the red zone in 2022. And they went from dead last to a top five red zone team just in one year. And, you know, a lot of us were sitting here saying it's a lot of it has to do with the play caller and the schematics. And that's, you know, 2022, boom, it kind of of proved that. So I think Mike Kafka is an advantage to the Giants. And that is one situation where I am very glad that if if John Merritt did like kind of step down and Joe Shane, you know, because I think, you know, Joe Shane, you have to get the okay from the, from the owner to give out that money. Right. Um, Since it's not like a cap situation. So 
I'm glad that Maris stepped in. It's like, yeah, let's do this. Let's keep these guys in the building. Let's keep these guys happy despite their definitely being turmoil. And it's turmoil that I am definitely worried about heading into year three and how it could impact year three. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So one other, I'm sorry, go ahead. So one other thing I wanted, are, are you, did you have anything else to say on Kafka, Sal? No. So the other thing I want to talk as far as, you know, title change is, you know, Jerome Henderson, you got, you know, a defensive passing game coordinator and obviously we'll talk about Shane Bowen, but he's a guy that a lot of us thought he had a good shot, shot at getting his defensive coordinator job, got interviewed for it for the second time. He got passed up. Um, how do we feel about you know him getting the passing game coordinator? Does that you think this was a little bit of trying to make things right for passing up on the defensive coordinator position? Bobby and I had a discussion on the last show, and I've been sitting here thinking, especially as the defensive coordinator search got longer, and as the top two candidates and the top two choices got their jobs, and Jerome Henderson is still sitting there, and he's at every day of the Senior Bowl. Like he was the most engaged. Like, I don't, I don't like they. You, you saw on the Giants on the Giants video, they FaceTime Brian Dable, like he wasn't even there, like he wasn't even in the building. Um, but Jerome Henderson was there every day, so I'm like going back and forth, thinking this is the second time that Jerome Henderson has interviewed for the defensive coordinator spot under two different coaching staffs now. Mm-hmm. What? How is he feeling? Like what? What are the feelings and emotions that are kind of running through, you know, running through himself? It's like I've been here the longest. I deserve this. Or is he kind of like I, I don't really want the D coordinator job. I have a pretty stable secondary coach job with the organization that likes me and wants to keep me around, and I'm cool with that. So like I wonder where he's kind of at. Maybe, maybe this passing game coordinator was an indication that yeah, he does want that D coordinator job. And Bobby kind of came back at me saying. If you're a position coach, if you're a coach in the NFL, especially like one of these higher level coaches, you want promotions and you want that job. Like you're you're not in this. You're not in this if you don't want to move up that ladder, which I'm like, yeah, that's also a great point. Um, so it could be seen as that. Um, it could be seen as I'm really interested to, to know what the passing game coordinator, if it has specific responsibilities, because we know Bowen's very good against the run. And we know that Jerome Henderson has helped shaped a secondary that has sometimes on that's been rocky on paper. We know that he shaped a secondary up that's been good enough and that has been average and sometimes even above average, especially thinking back to 2020. So really interested to see what the titles really with Shea Tierney and uh, and uh, Henderson, what they actually hold and what they mean, or are they just kind of titles just for these guys to get raises? Yeah. Um, I think Jerome Henderson is really critical at this point, especially with, and we can, we can say with us and talking about Shane Bowen, you know, like you mentioned, Bowen's teams have ranked really, really well against the run. Um, has a lot of stacked boxes, I guess, seven plus man boxes very often. Um, and we can, I mean, I don't, I don't think this is the right pod to go over like the schematics in detail. I was studying a little bit about, you know, creeper blitzes and things that he does. Um, but Maybe it's a personnel issue, but his his passing game defense wasn't the best. He had a lot of explosive plays, tons of yards, not so good between the twenties. And you got to wonder if is this something he learned? And he's turning to Jerome Henderson and saying, "I need you to, I need you to coach up the DBs to handle what I'm doing here." Because I don't know, maybe maybe that's a missing piece here. And I'm trying to look at the positive here and say maybe that's what's happening. Yeah, I mean, to add on to what you guys are saying, I mean, that the, my immediate thought before I even saw this 
defensive passing game coordinator promotion is when we got Shane Bowen, you look at those numbers. I'm like, we need Jerome Henderson more than we've ever needed Jerome Henderson. Mm -hmm. Like we, he needs to have a vital part in this defense and coaching up this passing defense. And so I'm glad he got the promotion. Um, and hopefully these two can work well together, but, uh, but yeah. So, uh, what are your thoughts about Shane Bowen? Uh, the higher Justin. Yeah, uh, I, I think similar to the Giants, he wasn't our first choice. Uh, I would have really liked Bobby Babbage. Like, I, I kind of had, I know people had Denard Wilson as one and maybe maybe didn't even have Babbage involved at all because he worked with Dable in the past, and that's a bad thing, even though I didn't necessarily view that as a bad thing because I kind of, I, I wouldn't have minded somebody who worked with Dable in the past with a really good resume that maybe knew what they were getting into. Wink Martindale clearly didn't know what he was getting into, so yeah. I, I wouldn't have mind, you know, because every you have to think about it. Everybody is different from this staff. There's, like, nobody that has past ties to Dable. At least that's not obvious from their time in Buffalo. Um, so, hey, good on Dable for wanting to work with different people, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, I would have really liked Babich, and clearly I think that those were the two, as those two got hired, then Jordan Ronan tweets out, why the defensive coordinator search is taking so long is because the Giants' first two choices were off the board. Well, those were the guys that were hired, the only guys that were hired when, you know, when Jordan Ronan tweeted that out. So, you know, he kind of he kind of put together, uh, you know, the puzzle pieces there. I like Bowen because he has experience, you know, still a younger guy, um, even, a you know, Jim Schwartz and Mike, Mike Vrabel influence. I mean, there's a, you know, there's a rose and a thorn. The rose is, is that Bowen worked with both of these guys, and you could say that he's influenced by them. Uh, the thorn is, was he really controlled by Vrabel since apparently he was very involved in the defensive game plan. And then also Jim Schwartz, a lot of what they were doing in 2021 and 2022, it was very Jim Schwartz uh, centered and very Jim Schwartz influenced when he was like a uh, the senior defensive analyst or assistant um, with the Tennessee Titans before he moved on to the Browns this past year. So you can look at it from that Rose and Thorn. Um, and, and I guess we'll find out if he does a good job, then it's like, oh, yeah, well, he's influenced by Vrabel and Schwartz. If he does a bad job, then it'll be, oh, well, Vrabel and Schwartz were uh, really had a, their their big hand um, in that defense. So um, I guess the results will dictate how we view that. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Fasal. No, I mean, so – it's an interesting change in, in, in schematics in terms of defensive style, which I found intriguing. So Wink obviously blitzes more than anybody. Mm -hmm. um, and I think looking at Bowen's numbers the last few years, his blitz rates are in like the bottom five Very of low. the NFL consistently. He's all about he, – they, they call it a 3-4, but if you, if you watch the game film, it's really four down linemen. And the, the fourth down lineman is often outside linebacker. So they, they rush four, they twist, they stunt. Um, they, they call a lot of these creeper blitzes with, you know, with like, uh, you know, the, the sort of simulated pressure, uh, and a linebacker coming in while it end drops into coverage, very wink like in that way. Um, uh, but you know, I, I, to me, that one of the things that I don't know, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to big blue banter earlier in the week, but Nick Filato pointed out an interesting tidbit that apparently Andre Patterson never worked with Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari under Wink Martindale, that, that they were exclusively with the Wilkins brothers. Yeah, that doesn't surprise linebackers. me because, I mean, that's the D-line and, and outside linebacker. I mean, especially in Wink's scheme, yeah. I think very, very different assignments and, and, and what they're and what they're asked to do. So, that, so that, never, that never surprised me. I was actually interested to hear 
why and, and i'm not this is not like a slight towards filato at all i was surprised to hear what how that was like a nugget because you know you have patterson who is the d-line coach and they have that specific outside linebacker coach um so i was surprised to hear that oh that like that was the that was like a takeaway it's like surprised to hear that they never worked together that doesn't really shock me i guess like in in theory it doesn't shock me but when you have a the, what what i guess shocked me was when you have a resource like andre patterson right and you're just not putting your best player who kind of overlaps with what he does with him. I was a little surprised. So I'm hoping, I don't know what they're going to do, but I hope one of the reporters asked, is Kayvon Thibodeau now going to do more work with the defensive line group? Mm. Is he going to be coached by Andre Patterson? Because if you want to talk about Kayvon Thibodeau's, not his failures, but his shortcomings this year, it's generating consistent pass rush. It's using his hands, getting the bull rushes, using his strength. These are all things that Andre Patterson specializes in. So, I'm kind of hoping to see that. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have thought about that at all, if, you, if you've had a chance to discuss it with Bobby or anybody else, but that's something I know Monty and I are big on, using, using Andre Patterson more. Monty. Um, yeah, I mean, I, that's definitely something I'm looking forward to and hoping that we get to because I think Andre Patterson is one of the best coaches in the league. But other thing I wanted to say to this was uh, the interesting thing about the hire of Shane Bowen, like, what what irked me a little bit was just, you know, it never feels good to get your third choice. And it really kind of feels like they put all their eggs in, you know, the Bobby Babich and Jannard Wilson basket. And they were kind of seem they wanted to have it done by the end of the week. And when they didn't, it kind of seemed give off the impression that they were lost and didn't quite know where to go to next. They obviously didn't take too long to make that next decision, which helps a little bit. But it did definitely throughout that weekend or like what what the hell are we doing here yeah. what's going on I was, little observation about joe shane this is like such a nitpick and actually you know what it's not a nitpick he kind of puts his foot in his mouth yeah he does he did it with jones you know you know <laughs> he kind of does sometimes put his his foot in his mouth with with some stuff so and, and that was one of those he said i expect it to be done i know the the exact phrase of of what he said wasn't like it is going to be done but Still, like you don't need to you don't need to say it because the second that you say it and then it doesn't happen, then people question it, and that's what we don't that's what just we were don't doing. put a date on it. Just say soon. Right. Say it's like, like yeah, it yeah. He he puts his foot in his mouth a lot, and he he, he called himself out on it a little bit earlier, if I remember correctly. So he did it with with Jones. He, yeah. he said it like I I did it, and it's like yeah, you, you did, man. <laughs> yeah. So the, that definitely something worth mentioning because yeah he, he did the exact same jo- Jones and kind of puts unnecessary pressure on himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one thing I will say where I was kind of happy with the Shane Bowen hire it personally where my view on this whole thing is like guys like Darn Wilson and Babbage they they excited me I thought they had they're really high ceiling defensive coordinators and they could do some exciting things but to me. I either wanted to stick with Jerome Henderson because he had a good, he had a relationship already with all these players and these coaches, and that was a benefit. Or I wanted to go with somebody who had play calling experience. I wish we brought in more guys to, who had play calling experience. I know maybe, maybe it wasn't necessarily the best defensive coordinator cycle to get guys like that, but to me, for a guy like Brian Dable, who already seemed to be well over his in over his head this season in a lot of ways and is reportedly going to take on a bigger role in this offense. I didn't think bringing in a first time defensive coordinator was a good move for him. And like, yeah, like great. Like maybe Denard Wilson's going to be one of the best defensive coordinators in NFL in three years from now, but Mm -hmm. are we going to 
be able to reap those benefits three years from now or if, if he's hit some struggles early on. So I kind of like bringing in a more established defensive coordinator who just, you know, like you say he's younger. There is some upside there still, but who, you know, has some experience and is not going to hit as many of those you know, young rookie play caller struggles. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, again, the, the, the hope there is, is that the, the influence of Rabel and Schwartz, but I'm gonna spe- we'll ignore Schwartz. We'll just say Vrabel because Vrabel de- is a defensive coach, right? The influence of Rabel, because it was reported that he was very involved with the defense. And, you know, there were some Titans fans on Reddit and Twitter saying that they actually, there were some that wanted him out. And there were some that, hey, I wouldn't mind if Bowen actually stayed because it seemed like Vrabel had such a influence on that defense that they would have liked to see Bowen run his own show. So now that's the next step. And that's the question now that he's with the Giants as Brian Dable is an offensive coach and he wants to take more ownership over the offense, uh, which I found to be like wild. Um, (laughs) You're already an offensive coach. You're already communicating with them mostly anyway, Um, that Bowen is now the guy, the sole guy that's, that's running, that's running the defense there. And like, I I'm with you where I think, if we're viewing the defense having a bad year next year, I'm not, I'm pretty somewhat confident that I don't think we're going to be sitting back saying, man, Shane Bowen just runs a bad defense. And the schematics is why that defense is bad because even in Tennessee, they had not great talent. They've always had Simmons and they've, they've always had guys up front that even when they run with Ford, that they can kind of get to the quarterback. Right. But the secondary has not, was not very good um, over there. I, I actually think the year that they had Jack Rabbit, Byard, and Amani Hooker, like those three, the two safeties, and then, uh, you know, they had Jack Rabbit at corner. I actually think on paper, that's like some of the best secondary that they had. And that was back in 2021, uh, uh, Bowen's first year. So I'm not, I'm not sitting back. If the, if the defense is a disaster next year, I'm not sitting back and saying that Bowen is the reason why. I am saying that Joe Shane not being able to draft well. That is the thing that I am most concerned about just with this franchise in general because I am confident in this coach. I, even though Brian Dave was a psychopath, I'm confident <laughs> with him as a head coach. Yeah, I'm confident yeah. with him with what he can get out of the quarterback. I'm confident what he can get out of the offense. I'm you know, as confident with what Wink could get out of the defense. I think they all kind of proved that. But I want I – don't, I don't just want good players, like I, I, which some of them aren't even very good. I want great players. That is what yeah. – you, know, you, you watch these teams that are playing in the postseason. They have great players, and it's more than just Dexter Lawrence and Andrew Thomas. Like they, they have great players from top to bottom in every single position room, and that is what I want for the Giants, and it needs to start in the NFL draft. And I'm not – I'm I'm hopeful that Joe Shane can do it, but I'm not confident he can do it because he's had plenty of opportunities to do it through two drafts, and it's a big TBD right now. Not that he was the main one responsible for those Buffalo drafts, but if you really look back at a lot of the Buffalo drafts, there's a lot of Josh Allen and free agency holding up that roster. You know, they spent a lot of money on their defense and in, in, in free agency the last few years, and obviously Josh Allen covers up a lot of mistakes, so. It's you know I think both Monty and I've talked about it, like when the search was going on in twenty one uh, at the end of twenty one, a lot of us were in the camp of you know Hortiz out of Baltimore because that you know model organization right they just BPA 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 pick after pick collect comp picks just they hit constantly up and down the draft San Francisco is kind of similar we need to start doing that or I don't care who the coach is we're just right. not going to go anywhere yeah. Right. 100% I mean, agree. Yeah. And, you know, we have what? We have seven picks in this draft. 
this is a this is a big one for Joe Shane. You can't go into the the third year of your regime and say we're still kind of figuring this out. Now your your roster has got to start looking filled out by the third year. Yeah. However, you got there. Um, I think that's a good segue, Justin, to start talking about. You know, you just came back from Mobile. Um, that must have been a fun experience, and we want to talk a little bit about the senior bullet. Can you tell us, I mean, since, since we're talking about Bowen, let's just stick with the defense. You told us before we started the pod, you focus a lot on cornerbacks, defensive linemen. Did you see anybody, now in retrospect, now that you know Bowen as a coach, that you look back on your time that you learned in the senior bowl, can you think of a few names off the top of your head that you thought, man, I think that guy should be a giant? Should be a giant? That's tough because I mean the the guy the guy that I wanted to just talk about first was Quinion Mitchell. Whoever. He's not he's not going to be a giant. Quinion yeah. Mitchell's not going to be a giant. But you guys talked about him <laughs> in your in your in your Senior Bowl defensive preview, and man, he was the most enjoyable player to watch all week. I I, I enjoyed watching, and yeah. I enjoyed like kind of following him. You know, I I do a lot of camera work. Like that's I am. I, I'm not a cameraman. I, I don't shoot things, but I there's there's one week a year where I am photographer, you know, videographer Justin Panic, and I'm <laughs> filming online D line one v ones, and I'm filming wide receiver DB one v ones, and Quinion Mitchell just making making things look easy. You mentioned a list, Monty. What list is he on? That he's, he's on like the fast guy list, the strong guy list, the bench guy. What list? So Bruce Feldman, Bruce Feldman every single year does the yes. freak list and Quinion Mitchell. That's how I discovered him. I always like the freak list every single year because it gives you like all the best like athletes in the country. And I don't remember exactly where he was on this list. I'll see if I can get it. But uh, on there, they met 20 somewhere, wasn't he? Yeah, it was, was hot. 20 somewhere. But yeah. they, you know, this guy at Toledo, when I was, we were doing our previews, I, I always try to look at there for like my, my guys. We try to do an underrated, under the radar guy. And, you know, you saw his PFF numbers and they were number one in the country last year and again, did it again. But then they mentioned runs a four, three, he put pushed in the bench press 21 times. He squats 440 pounds and he, he's just a, he's a freak athlete. And that's what you look for at the corner position. And that's what Joe Shane loves. I mean, that's that's at the end of the day. I almost wish I was saying this on uh, I've saying this on Talking Giants. I almost wish the draft years were flopped. And you know what we had the the twenty fifth, the twenty fourth or the twenty fifth pick. I know we I know we traded up one. Um, you know we have that you know mid twenties draft pick last year, and Quinion Mitchell's there. Run to the phone. Like I'm, I'm, I'm running to the phone. You know, he, he cro- checks all those boxes, right? It's like, oh, what do you, what do you want in corners in the NFL? You want them to run fast, and you want them, you want their arms to be over 30 inches, and you want them to be versatile. The thing that was impressive about Mitchell was that in one v ones, obviously that's man coverage. So one v ones, locking guys down, running with them really well, staying in their kind of back hip pockets, not getting too grabby, making plays on the football when he were there and pouncing on the football. But then also in team drills when he was in zone. I'm a big fan, and Carl Banks talked about this years ago, and I kind of picked up on this, where it's like in zone coverage, you don't want to cover the grass. You want to cover the men in your grass. Um, you know what, What's the point of covering grass when even though maybe this guy isn't in your assignment, but he's nearby you, and you sense that he's the only guy near you, so if you're in zone coverage, go up and get him. And that's what Quinion Mitchell was doing. Maybe, maybe it's not uh, the assignment, but he was running up, making plays, reading where the, where the quarterback was going, and Quinion Mitchell was just – 
easily, and I know a lot of people have reported on this, so I, I'll, I'll stop it with this. Quenyon Mitchell, best player to watch all week. I wish he was a giant. Maybe he will be a giant, but I'm going to guess he's probably he's probably not uh, he's probably not a giant. Unfortunately, he's, he's probably a top fifteen pick after this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we when we did our cornerback pre- preview, I think that was was that our last one before we did the quarterbacks. It might have been right or yeah, one of them. that or safety. Um, yeah, by then we were like, I mean, we did something like eighty player reviews by that point. And as as you've done player reviews, I'm sure like you're like going through tape and pulling up notes, and it's just it's like pulling teeth to get through some of these. Mitchell was exciting. I was like, wow, Monty's like, have you seen this guy, Mitchell? I was like, who? Uh, and and he found him. He's like he's like look at him on the freak list. And we pulled him up. I'm like wow, this guy looks really good. Why is nobody talking about him? And then sure enough, like a week later, like Feldman came out and was like, oh, this guy should be a first round pick. Um, yeah. And then he's been rising ever since. My guy on that list um, was actually a Rutgers native, Max Melton. I don't know if you got a chance to see Max. So he's a guy who I think could be. I think he could be in range for the Giants. I like him as like a nickel in the NFL. What did you think about Max? Did you watch him at all? Yes, and the Giants do need a nickel, and there's another guy that I want to talk about possibly at a at nickel as well. Um, but Max, I think the Senior Bowl doesn't do Max Melton justice because I think he's a fiery player. I think he's like a high motor, high effort kind of kind of player. He was one of the guys that I did like a like a really good write up before I before I actually went down there. And it's not it's not like he had a bad week. It's just that he didn't have a week that I feel like really kind of really kind of stood out. I feel like he's another guy that's great feel for zone and covering the man in your zone, not covering just grass. He has a ton of experience. I think his route recognition and reading the QB's eyes are, are very good. I think he can play like a madman and he could be over aggressive. And I think his over aggressiveness can sometimes kill him. Even I think that's, you know, in the past game. And then also he had a high missed tackle rate in 2023 as well. And he doesn't seem like a scheme dependent player. So I think Melton's a guy that's, that's versatile and can kind of go everywhere. So if from, from the senior bowl week, I was actually kind of like disappointed that he didn't flash, but I think it's also good that in a week like that, he wasn't like consistently getting his ass kicked in one V ones with some, you know, really talented receivers on, on both the American and the national side. So I think Melton's like tape speaks more than kind of what he did down in mobile. He didn't get his ass kicked by Marvin Harrison jr. Which is that where we kind of noticed and we're like, he held up, mm-hmm. he held up with again, Marvin Harrison jr. Against a Mecca Buka. I mean, he did a good job. My criticism of him, I think we both mentioned it is he can kind of do everything and stay with receivers, but he doesn't turn around for the ball. Like he's a guy who's just, in the NFL, he's going to get a lot of got get a lot of PI penalties for just not turning around. And but you know, if you still have Henderson, hopefully you yeah. know, and yeah. you get a guy like that, we hope you could you know that's something he coaches, right? He ta- he talks about coaching, you know, turn around, use your outside arm, get to the ball. So you know, ball skills are something he can work on. So I, I like him. I don't think he's going before. I don't know if he's going to make it into day two. I think he's a day three guy, uh, maybe yeah. day two, end of day two. But I can see us getting him like in the fourth. Um, if we want him or later. Yeah. Another uh, guy I want to mention, um, he's small. Um, I didn't realize he was, he was this small, but we interviewed him down in Mobile our, our first day down there. Uh, DJ James out of Auburn. He's 5'11, yeah. 170 pounds. I hope he gains, I hope he actually gains some <laughs> weight. Um, but he has 31 inch arms. So again, you know, you check that. I have a prerequisite box of if you have, if you have arms that are longer than 30 inches, cool. You're an NFL corner. Um, <laughs> so definitely with that. that, definitely with that size, it seems like he's going to be in the slot. Um, really, he, I'll start off with the interview first, because we didn't really know him before we actually sat down with him in that interview. And then he actually did have a good week in mobile. And it's like, Oh, cool. This is kind of awesome. So DJ James, really smart dude. 
And one of the things that we asked, we had about eight player interviews. We asked each player as kind of like a social series, but we also, Bobby and I genuinely like this question. We asked them, think of a play or a series of plays, whatever. Think of a specific play that you want to take to NFL scouts and say, this is what I'm about. DJ James was able to rip off like two or three on the top of his head. This is the core, you know, this is, this is the situation. This is the team. This is what we were doing. This is what I did. Um, rip, ripped off a few of them on the top of his head. It's like, oh, shoot, good, good for you, man. So DJ James, really well-spoken, really smart guy, um, corner out of Auburn again. Um, and he had a good week. Um, he's, a, he's a good athlete, um, obviously really light. Um, obviously, I guess there's some questions around him tackling, and I think it's going to be really important under this Bowen system that these that the corners get better at tackling. Like that was rip your hair out frustration from the 2023 Giants is that Adoree Jackson, a guy who seemed to have all, you know, all the effort in the world of wanting to be involved in the run game, just suddenly didn't want to get involved. And the rest of the corners sucked at being involved in the run game and stopping the run. Um, that's certainly a concern with a guy like DJ James, but they need a slot corner. Joe Shane likes athletes and DJ James fits that. Yeah, he's he is a little. I think he's listed at like one sixty five or something on the Auburn. So I don't know what he weighed in at. I don't remember what he weighed in at his senior bowl, but I mean that's Cordell Flott range, the Emmanuel Forbes range. Uh, mm-hmm. That's tough. And Cordell Flott, I mean we we don't discuss him, but I don't see him having a place on this defense. That's the uh, one guy where I think it hurts him. Where I think it, I think it hurts because especially he, you think he can play, you, can, you think he can hold up on the outside because that's probably his only place. You know. <laughs> They play a lot of off man, you know. They play uh, cover one, but I, I think, I think his, I think Flots issues in zone where he has these amazing, like amazing is a tough word, but I, he has this, he has these really good man coverage plays where it's like remember that even like he had like a diving pass deflection against Tyree Kill mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. I'm like, oh, where, where did this come from? And then I think in zone coverage, he just sometimes just doesn't know where the hell he's going, and I think that's the concern where if you're gonna have, you know. I think Bowen likes to do to do these like disguising coverage stuff. And if you're going to have guys running at the snap, you know, kind of if there's a safety that's showing up and you have a slot corner that's maybe in the box, but he needs to drop back into, you know, a cover three, whatever, you know, transition a cover one into a cover three or, you know, whatever. Flot needs to know where to be and where he needs to go and what's going on around him. And I don't think he has that right now, which is kind of, which is kind of unfortunate. So that's another like prerequisite. If you're looking for, you know, if you're looking for corners in this draft, you know, guys that maybe can handle that. Yeah. I mean, a guy we both a guy we both love who was not at the senior bowl was Mikey Sainrich. I don't know if you saw him from Michigan. This guy, you if you pulled out last him, second. Love there was a, there was a lot of guys that pulled out last second. And yeah. like and all all of them seemed to be players that's like, damn, I was really excited to watch you. And he was one of the guys that I <laughs> did a write up on and he was yep. not there. Yeah, I know there were tons of guys, especially on the line, right? Fountain now, Barton, all these guys. We're and we can get into that, but we are big proponents of if we're going to draft a lineman, draft somebody who can play tackle, draft someone who can play guard. You know, draft someone with that versatility, add it to the room. Barton fits that. Fountain now fits that. Those guys, I don't know about Fountain now, but Barton I think might be there for the Giants in the second round if we go down that route. Um, we'll see, but I want to see on the defense. Um, unless Monty, do you want to? Go, go through any more corners? Um, or... One last thing I want to point in. Uh, so I looked at DJ James' numbers. He's actually it was taller than we gave him credit for. He's 5'11 and a half, and he was, but he was 170 pounds. So light yeah, as okay. we as expected. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you, Justin, was there any like defensive backs who stood out to you in a bad way at the senior? Oh, yeah. 
and I was <laughs> glad that my pre, you know, my pre work on him kind of, I'm not, I don't, I'm not rooting for anybody to be bad, but I was like, I had some questions on Kalen King at a Penn state. He did not have a good week. And I, and one of the biggest critiques that I had on Kalen King, again, coming out of Penn state cornerback, one of the biggest critiques I had was he doesn't get out of his backpedal. Like it takes him way too long to transition out of his backpedal, whether it's flipping his hips or, you know, getting into a full on sprint. Again, I don't really know all these, you know, all these formal terminologies, but I'm like, you gotta, you gotta go. You gotta go. You're backpedaling way too long. And these receivers are running right by you. And we actually interviewed Kalen King and I didn't ask him about that. It's like, Hey, this, I think this is your flaw. What do you, what do you think <laughs> about this? Um, so I didn't ask him about that, but I did ask him, Hey, like in 2022, you and Johnny Dixon, you know, Johnny Dixon was also in Mobile. He was his, he was uh-huh. his, you know, a, a DB teammate. You and Johnny Dixon had like double digit pass deflections in 2022. And in 2023, I said, for both of you, it went down to like the single digits. So I said, what, what happened there? Like, why did that ball production, why did the, the plays that you made on the football, why did that change? You know, you can, you can maybe point to that, you know, maybe they're just not very good, <laughs> but. <laughs> He pointed to Joey Porter Jr.'s presence and how Joey Porter Jr.'s presence in 2022, how they were getting the ball thrown at him constantly. So Kalen King kind of turned it into a very good positive of, you know, how, hey, in 2022, if you want to see tape of me getting targeted, turn on 2022 and turn on how I can, you know, force incompletions, make pass deflections. But in 2023, his argument was, is that I wasn't getting targeted as much. And that's why my ball production forced incompletions, pass deflections. That's why that went down. But he did not have a good, so I thought that was a good answer in the interview. Yeah. But he did not have a good week on the practice field for sure. There's there's not a single player that I was more frustrated with actually declaring in this draft than Kalen King. Yeah. 2022, Kalen King was teaching tape. He was incredible. He would run routes for wide receivers if you watch him. Like he, and we commented on that and like when we did our early scouting. Like this guy's running the routes for the receivers. He's incredible. He's quick. He's instinctive. He was only in his third year this year. He's a true junior. Had an awful year, awful, horrendous. Like he, he should have gone back to school. And I guess he banked on coming to the senior bowl and showing people what he's got. And he tanked his stock. He, he's looking like a day three pick right now. He's, yeah. he's absolutely collapsing. This guy should have been a first round pick. I so, yeah, that's a good call. Hopefully, this doesn't turn into like an Eli Ricks thing for him, where he had all the hype in the world coming into his that's year. the comparison. Yeah, that's the comparison. It dropped right off. to UDFA. Yeah, so it's it's bad. I would not be surprised um, if Kalen King ends up a third round pick. How things have been trending for him, or a third day three pick. I'm sorry. So before we go to the offense on the D uh, on the D line, there's a guy I love. I know you guys talked about him on your on your preview. I think Bobby wasn't as high on him as as everybody else is, and certainly I'm very high on him. What did you think of Darius Robinson? Dude, he's probably the most complex player at the Senior Bowl. Now, I I made a point. After we had our recap pod and after, you know, we had our recap stuff from on JM football, I made it a point. I'm going to rewatch Darius Robinson every day and, re- and rewatch it again. Like day one, day two, day three, and all of his reps. And day one was bad. Day one was not good for Darius Robinson. But day two and day three, it's not that he was good, not great. And I think that that's the frustrating thing leaving the senior bowl with Darius Robinson. And this is where it's like, you know, people like Bobby, I think they're right in a way, but also I think he's wrong 
by saying that, oh, Darius Robinson just didn't show anything. And he's, uh, who was the guy that he compared from to Georgia? It was Georgia Tech, Keon White. He compared him to Keon White last year. Keon White flat out was not good last year. Like he just, you know, he was strong. He had a, he had a bull rush and that was it. And Keon White didn't do anything in the senior bowl last year. Darius Robinson showed more than Keon White last year. Darius Robinson showed some moves. Darius Robinson showed outside, inside versatility. He showed, he showed a swim. He showed some things with his hands. It's, it was good. It just wasn't great. Like, and, and, and if you're, the senior bowl is not the standard for like, these are all the first round, first round prospects. These are the best guys in the draft. And if you don't win against them, Hey, it's all right. These guys are just good. A lot of these guys are trying to, they're trying to increase their stock. They took this invite for a reason. Darius Robinson was already getting first round hype. I don't leave the senior bowl saying that, Oh, I think Darius Robinson, maybe and I, I'm, I'm a, I don't like putting grades on guys. Cause I don't know if I'm fully smart enough, but I don't leave the senior bowl saying Darius Robinson clear cut first round player, but I am leaving the senior bowl saying Darius Robinson is a good player. And he did show outside inside versatility. He showed he can do some things with his hands and he is strong as shit. He hasn't played edge except for this year. That's the interesting thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, in 2021, he was only in the B gap, like almost exclusively in 2022, mostly in the B gap, more in the A gap than he was over tackle. Like he was truly an interior lineman. And then he kind of transitioned suddenly to the outside of, you know, a true edge rusher this year. So there's a lot of unlocked raw potential there, in my opinion. This guy's, he's like, what, 6'5", 290. I think he weighed a little less than 290, but he played around 290 this year. Mm-hmm. Strong as hell. So again, this is, I'm just thinking like, what kind of edge rusher do we need? If we're going to rush four, we need a pass rushing interior lineman. Five tech, somebody who can take on the the Leonard Williams role. I think Robinson will be there in the second for the Giants. I don't. I agree with you. I don't think he's going in the first. Not in this class, which is loaded with so many talents in the first round. I'd be shocked if Darren Robinson Robert, went in the first. I mean, I can see him blowing up the combine, but I still don't see him going into the first. If he's there in the second, he's one of those guys I'm looking at with either the first or the second and second round pick. We have. I'm thinking you might get your three down lineman right there, and he does not have to be like a traditional, you know edge like Kayvon Thibodeau in this system. I think he can be your guy between Kayvon and Dexter Lawrence. That's all I'm looking at him. Yeah, and I have to go back and I have to rewatch him, but even guys like Brugler, who are, you know, obviously Brugler's like the the tip top of, of all this, right? Like everybody aspires to be, but even he was like, this senior bowl week affirms why Darius Robinson is a first round. Pro-. I'm like, it doesn't, he had a good week. Again, he had a good week. He had a bad day one, and I think, you know, sometimes guys that have bad day ones, it's kind of like the Rasheed Rice effect. If you have a bad day one, then that means, like, automatically the rest of your week is bad. Not necessarily the case with Darius Robinson, and I, and I think Bobby falls in that boat of being a little a little too heavy on the the, the day one critiques. But, yeah, man, I, I don't know if the senior bowl affirmed Darius Robinson as a first-round pick. Because also, I mean, there are questions, you know, like you're saying, there are questions of, where exactly does does he does he fit? You know, is he maybe even? Do you do you think he's he was also he's also the victim of the Senior Bowl wearing a single digit number and being an interior defensive lineman? <laughs> do you think he's too small to be an interior defensive lineman? But is he possibly too big to be an edge rusher? That's my question about him. I think he can. He's strong. I mean, he's yeah. he's very very strong. I don't think his weight is going to hold him back from playing on the inside at all. Um, like with his frame, I mean, he, you saw him, he's, he's lean yeah. for a guy his size. I can, you see can also ask to him to put on 10 pounds. If right. You really I mean, want. I think he, he can easily put on 10, 15 pounds and it barely show up, you know, and, yeah. and bother him. I think he has that kind of frame and his height 
and his frame. So I, I, I don't think so. I, I think he's the kind of talent that I would take a swing on. Again, hand him and Andre Patterson and say, do something with him. You know, figure out what you're going to do with yeah. him. I, I like that kind of raw talent. Monty, did you, what, do you, what do you think about this guy? Sure. Or I don't know if you had anybody else you want to talk about. Yeah, so I think something worth mentioning as far as finding a fit for him, if we got Darius Robinson, is uh, I think his name is Danico Autry, the guy who had 11, a sack, 11 and a half sacks for the Titans last year. He oh, played yeah. defensive line. 6'5", 285 pounds. The exact same yeah. measurements that you see from, from Darius Robinson. So they're obviously like that's not to compare them as players, but purely from a size like standpoint that does fit. And uh, it's funny you mentioned Keon White, and I do agree with you, Justin. Where I do see differences with like the he wins in different ways, like like he does. He has more versatility than Keon White. But where I did, I actually saw some of that too, where it popped in the head. But really, it was because like these guys were both like. They're like former basketball players. They have this huge, like built out body, but they still like are just like long athletes. And I think that's a lot of things people liked about Ken White. He ended up going like top 10 or something in the second round. Like, mm-hmm. I think he's going to, I mean, I think he's going to test incredibly. And that, if he's going to go first round, that might be what pushes it even further is because he's probably going to go to the combine and blow it up. But um, yeah, it, he seemed to have a really good week uh so you know it's interesting to hear more of him one guy i wanted to ask you about justin um here's an it's another guy that i've liked a lot throughout this process and i think the senior bowl was kind of built for a guy like this because you know defensive linemen have such an advantage in some of these one-on-ones is uh i saw michael hall put up some freaky reps with his athleticism from ohio state he's a guy who he has like 20 plus miles per hour, like tracked on the GPS, apparently like he's a freaky athlete. He's a little bit small, but uh, do you notice anything from Michael Hall this week? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, he was one of those guys that flashed occasionally, like didn't have a great week, but he was one of those guys that like, yeah, I, like I, I have a document written down of just names of guys that I would want to bring up in this in this in the show and he and he made it and his his name is right next to Dwayne Carter from Duke and Latu from from UCLA and also Gabe Hall like I would say like Gabe Gabe Hall uh, especially from the from the national team and that's the team that first practices in the morning mm-hmm. I would say that Gabe Hall of those interior defensive linemen took it away and he was like the best and it's like hey if there's a guy that I'm pointing to like yeah hey, I want you to be a giant it's Gabe Hall but certainly my, Michael Hall Jr. Um, stood stood out as well. Tell, tell us a little bit more about Gabe Paul. We didn't do any review on Gabe Paul. Tell our listeners a little bit about Gabe Paul and how what you liked about him. Uses his hands, and that was that was one of the things that stuck out. You know, obviously, you know, play, plays with a little bit of mean mean streak. You want you want the guy that's strong too. But out of all the interior defense alignment, pass rushing one v one, uses his hands and and utilized. Uh, you know, a swim move. It was a wide swim move, so obviously you expose yourself in the ribs. And you know, sometimes you want you want maybe swim moves to be a little bit more tighter. So it's efficient. So it's less wasted movement, but it was working for him. Um, and th- that was the guy that consistently from the American team. And I-, I would say over the last couple of years, it's been kind of a little bit of running theme at the senior bowls that O-line's kind of dominated. Like, you know, we always say that O-line D-line one V ones, it's always suited for the defensive linemen and they're going to have more wins. O-line's been kicking ass the last couple of <laughs> years. And it was yeah. nice to see Gabe Hall, even from day one, set the tone, D- Gabe Hall from Baylor, um, interior defensive lineman. I, I like to repeat names since people listening on podcasts sometimes forget who, who are these yeah. guys talking about. Gabe I Hall, appreciate that. <laughs> Gabe Hall, Baylor interior defensive lineman, used his hands really well. Offered offered a swim move and really started off day didn't didn't take him the whole week to kind of get get going. Day one, 
came with energy and he carried it through the whole week. That's awesome. Uh, we have to look into Gabe Hall. I, I heard things coming out of Mobile. I, I don't. We really didn't review him. It wasn't really on our radar. I'm surprised he did as well as he did. But it's worth. That's that's why you guys go to these things and we you find out if there's a sleeper. Mm-hmm. Um, along those lines, let's go. Let's switch to the O line. So before I don't know if you heard our O line preview, we loved, 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 loved Christian Haynes. Like when we watched his film, and then I heard everybody loved Christian Haynes. Yep. Uh, so I mean. I, I don't know if there's much more to add, but what 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 were your thoughts as watching him? He was just good. Like he was just he was just one of the best players there. If if I would say he was the best guard because he had JPJ there, Jackson Powers Johnson too. Um, I Haynes snapping the ball wasn't as fun, especially yeah. when you had I think I think Devondre Sweat was on the same team. Let me make sure. Uh, no, he was not on the same team. I lied. Um, but Christian Haynes snapping the ball wasn't as fun. But as a guard, he's dominant I, I won't say zion johnson levels of dominance when when zion johnson was there but he was he was really good i think he was the best guard that we saw from from both practices both practices right i would say jpj jackson Paris johnson was the best center and then i would say uh uh christian haynes and my guy isaiah adams coming out of illinois were like were like two of the best guards for sure yeah i heard isaiah yeah. adams did good we haven't done much on him but you know i thought it was interesting he was christian- my favorite player yeah, good. Yeah. I'll do some work on him. But what I thought was interesting about Christian Haynes is, you know, uh, you know, we just kind of did one one game each for these guys when we were doing our previews for the Senior Bowl, and we watched the the Michigan game for Christian Haynes, and he was he was bullying those talents, you know, Mozzie Smith, Chris Jenkins, mm-hmm. all that in the run game. And I was I was he had like perfect perfect technique in the run game. It looked like he was like pushing the sled, like how they teach you. But they didn't really pass the ball too much that game, so I didn't like get a like he had good numbers, but I didn't get a good vibe for how good of a, he was as a pass protector. And then he went to the Senior Bowl and didn't dominate. Yeah, couldn't nobody could beat him, and you don't see people dominate as a pass protector like that. And this is to add on to how much I already loved him as a run blocker. I loved him as a run blocker. So yeah, really full seems like the full package there. Yep, he had he had two thousand four hundred and twenty three college snaps. Every single one of them at right guard. Every <laughs> single one of them at right guard. So I mean, this guy is a he's a thoroughbred of a right guard, mm-hmm. you know, through and through. I mean, this one is not complicated. I think you, if you take Christian Haynes, you slide him over to right guard and say, "There, that's yours. Yep. Just handle it, and that's all." Uh, we love the guy, but I, I, you know, we were talking about him. I'm glad you mentioned Zion Johnson because that's the vibe he was giving us going into the Senior Bowl. I remember Monty and I were talking about it. We we're like, this guy might have like a Zion Johnson like Senior Bowl, and then everybody's going to talk about him. And Zion Johnson went like 17th or so, overall yep. or something crazy. Like it wouldn't shock me to see a guy like Haynes fly up the boards and somebody say, "I need a guard. I'm taking this guy at the end of the first round or something." It wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. The guy who didn't come, who kind of pissed me off because I wanted him to get exposed was Cooper Beebe. Uh, yeah. Everybody loves Cooper Beebe. When you watch his film, uh, I think my comment was, this is what I imagine Evan Neal would look like if he played guard the way he plays tackle. Like, you know, like so, just a big, slow, lumbering, just no athleticism at all. Uh, I think there's a reason he didn't come to Mobile because mm. I, I don't know if he was hurt or not, but I mean, in those one-on-ones against those one-gappers, I thought he was going to get his lunch eaten. you got to move um, your feet. But- yeah. yeah, but but we'll see where he goes. I hope we don't take him. I'm so tired of these big lumbering dudes. I, I want guys like Haynes on this team. 
Um, did you see any other linemen that caught your eye? That you said Isaiah Adams. Yeah, I, I uh, want to talk about him because I I do yeah. feel like yeah. he's he's worth he's worth talking about. And I I've sure. seen now since the Senior Bowl ended. I've seen I've seen some people talk about. It, and I'm glad uh, the Giants, and I'm now also happy that Pat Leonard, out of all names that Pat Leonard could have tweeted out towards the latter end of the week, he tweets out. Isaiah Adams of the Giants had two meetings with him. Now, I don't know how much stock you take into meetings at the Senior Bowl because literally every single Senior Bowl prospect, I think they're talking to every team, whether it's for five minutes and you know, 45 minutes. I, I don't know. Um, we kind of we kind of asked the guys that we interviewed. Isaiah Adams was not one of them. Like, you know, what what do you expect? It, what was the interview process like the first day? So we kind of got a little bit of an impression when we talked to some of these guys. Um, but they're talking to every team. Um, but the Giants did meet with him twice. Um, at the Senior Bowl, the the biggest thing with Isaiah Adams is his hands, um, which I thought he was really great hand placement in one v ones, and he was constantly looking to replace his hands, place, replace, place, replace, place, replace, not getting his hands beat, not getting his hands down, constantly getting his hands back in good position, um, really good lower body strength. He did lose initially at the point of attack, and I think where you saw his legs come in was you know when he lost initially at the point of attack he would re-anchor really well i think his upper body strength needs a little work i think his hand technique is great but i think the upper body strength needs a little work so i'm excited to actually go and watch it and see you know i, I it, it may actually hold up better in film because those online d lines they're naturally just they are again they are naturally designed for the the d linemen to have an advantage especially initially because there's just so much space for them to operate so isaiah adams out of illinois interior offensive lineman um, I thought was consistently had really, really good, really good technique. Another lineman I want to just mention too, because I loved him, loved him. Bo Limmer out of Arkansas. Now the Giants aren't necessarily looking for a center. Uh, I, I think he is a center. Um, the, the, he was doing both center and guard. Um, but Bo Limmer out of Arkansas is just, if you if you want to watch, hopefully his film translates to what he was doing on the senior bowl. If you just want a nasty lineman to watch, uh, Awesome. He was one of the only interior offensive linemen to really one of the only linemen to utilize a hop step all week. Usually that's like a thing that you, know, you see Andrew Thomas do it all the time. Yeah. Hop, hop, hop. You know, it's a way to kind of stabilize yourself, right? One of the only linemen to really utilize a hop step. There was one rep to Vondre Sweat's best rep of the week where Sweat just ran Bo Limmer over. Um, and Bo Limmer was utilizing the hop step, ironically <laughs> enough. So yeah. Bo Limmer was really fun to watch. He was nasty. Utilized the hop step. If you want to check him out, you can check him out as well. We'll add him to our list. That, that's helpful to know. Any of the, t- I hate talking about tackles. Uh, I really do. But yeah. I think it's it's a it's a discussion now. I'm personally, I we asked this question. We did our mock draft last week. Somebody asked us, "Is there any pick the Giants can make at seven that'll make you just absolutely disgusted?" Oh, can I, I give you? A, tack- can I tell you what yeah. nugget? Can I give yeah. you a nugget that I heard at the Senior Bowl? Sure. Sure. Um, th- so the first, th- this this guy, you know, clo- he closely works with the Giants, may work with the Giants. Um, this guy said, first of all, about Kafka, was like, Giants are not going to grant Kafka a lateral jump because all that Bobby, all that Bobby was hearing was that Kafka's gone, Kafka's gone, Kafka's gone, and I'm kind of sitting here being like. I don't think Kafka's gone because I don't think Kafka's getting a head coaching job. And and I'm sitting here just inferring that the Giants are not going to let him do a lateral jump. If the Giants, if the Giants were not wanting to let Kafka 
call plays, then I would be like, yeah, they should grant a lateral jump, but should is the key word in that. So we talked to that guy, and this is before it was official that Kafka was coming back. Talked to that guy on Monday, the senior ball was like, yeah, Kafka's, they're not going to, they're not going to grant the lateral jump. They're not going to grant that interview. Then a couple days later, might even been a whole week later. Um, Giants deny the request from the Seahawks. So that's one, that's one thing, but that was already done. The second thing is Bobby asked, uh, you know, how, how tied are they to Evan Neal? Like how, how are they, are they going to, would they take one, you know, not even the first round, would they take one in the second, third round? And they're, and guys like second round, they may take one in the first, like that's the, it's, it's open. So, you know, you, you take everything with a grain of salt and you got, you got to think of where, where people come from and what they're telling you and who they're working for, who they answer to and stuff like that. But that was the, there was two nuggets, the Kafka thing, which is already irrelevant because he's here. And yeah. then the second thing was, it's like, they're, they may not hesitate to take a tackle in the first round just oh, because wow. they have the Evan Neal investment. Wow. And that doesn't make you feel good, Sal. So. No. <laughs> is no. it is it because of, so let me ask you this. Is it because of just the fact that we have so much capital in the in the Giants offensive line, or is it this crop of tackles? No, no, the, the tackles are fantastic. Um, it's, it's, it's partially number one. It's also partially because, I, I mean, I feel very strongly about the quarterback position. We both do. And I feel strongly that this quarterback class is full of talent, one through at least five, maybe one through six. And I think if there's anything that Brian Dable can do well, it's develop quarterbacks. And I want to see him actually get a real talent. And there's no guarantee we're going to be drafting in the top 10 anytime soon again. You just never know. And and, and and if you are, next year's class, at least on paper right now, is not as good as this class. This quarterback. And if you're drafting top yeah. 10, odds are it may not be Brian Dable that's leading the charge. Exactly. So <laughs> I I know people are fixated on, oh, the top three, top three. I mean, we did our breakdown. In, the, in my opinion, there's Caleb, and there's close behind him, there's Drake May in terms of projectable talent. And then everybody else is sort of here. But here is still better than most – quarterback classes just right. to be clear like this is still better than most quarterback classes so i would rather they just figure out a way to get one in the first round and just move on you know just i'm not saying they have to trade the farm to try to get up to caleb at one or whatever like they can do whatever they want if they but i'm very much in the camp like i believe that the one thing brian dable does is take a quarterback and turn him into something really good i want to see him get a real talent like a real projectable talent and and see what he can do because that was the whole point of getting brian dable here right mm-hmm. develop your offense develop a quarterback and i just want to see it. and this this might be their only shot this really might be their only shot at getting that kind of talent so that's the main reason but the other thing is andrew thomas fourth overall pick great all pro left tackle fine evan neal seventh overall pick are we gonna use another top 10 pick on a tackle the third one in what five years yeah that's that's insanity um, nobody does that, you know. Plus, we need a right tackle, not a left tackle. I know that tackles are, are similar in value, but I think you can get a good right tackle later in the draft. I think you can get these guys who can play. I think you can get them in free agency, you know, and just and put them out there and just be good run blockers and just functional pass blockers, and you're okay. I don't think you have to keep throwing major investments at this. So, yeah, I like let the, the top of the draft is Joe Alt, Olufashanu as left tackle. If you want to take one of those guys, you're moving them to right tackle. Or are you are you moving all pro Andrew Thomas? That doesn't make no, sense to me. No. So you're moving one of these guys who've never played right tackle. You're moving them to right tackle. Now, Joe Alt might project as a right tackle, but he's never played it. The other guys are guys like Fuaga at right tackle, Amarius Mims. I mean, you're talking about – there's no way. If we call those names, 
I really might do something horrible. You know, like, I'm just like, just, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but I just like, are we going to really do this again? I'd rather just see what the coach can do and get a free agent in here than, than keep spending first round picks on this. We'll see. We'll yeah. see, man. Cause I, and I, I also could subscribe to the theory of these wide receivers. You know, you, you usually don't take wide receivers in the top 10. You usually don't. And the posi- the premium positions in the top 10 are quarterback, tackle, and edge, right? Those are like yeah. three of the main premium positions that you that that you take. And if there and if there's a generational defensive lineman, right? You know, like a la like Jalen Carter should have been a top ten last year. Um a guy that can get after I guess I'll say edge. I'll put edge oh, under the sure. umbrella. I'll put edge yeah. under the umbrella of a guy that can get after the quarterback and a pass rusher. Yes, so thank you. Um if you subscribe to that theory, then tackle it is i i don't know I, like my brain isn't there yet like i haven't like, my brain yeah. is still so scrambled and my my like i you know now that we're in we're into this don't worry about time by the way i'm having a great time um <laughs> uh i i i want to trade up yeah you want to get trade your quarterback up. Yeah. I want, I want, I want to trade up. I like, yeah. I like, can I tell you what I want? I want Caleb. Like, I, I, yeah. mean, I, yeah. I mean, I, I am un, I unapologetically, I don't even know. I, I'm going to be honest, guys. I don't even know if I'm going to watch a single Caleb Williams play. You want to know why? Cause I just, I just think he's good. And I think like the, 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 he makes every, I was saying this today. I like, he just makes every throw as every throw and that's not and i don't even I, am i being sarcastic i try not to be no. like especially with nfl draft where i i bobby and i are trying to challenge ourselves bobby especially but you know it's like hey i i, I look up to bobby with this stuff too so you know he's like i i want this draft season to be not just about everybody's not good because that's a, a, all the draft all the draft scouts and the prospect you know whatever everybody in nfl draft land thinks everybody's going to be good when odds are, if everybody was going to be good, then there would be a lot more teams in the NFL that would be very good. Yeah. A lot of these guys are not going to be very good. Now that doesn't mean you get to be an asshole, but you know, I, I think you you got to you got to look at things through a rose colored lenses. Is that the right phrase? I think Caleb Williams is amazing and the throws that he can make. And I don't even know if there even is pre draft work that you need to do on a guy like Caleb Williams. What really is comes down to it with me for this is with any quarterback is what's between the years and it's and it's also your your heart and your willing to your willingness to work hard and get better that's probably even more key than your brain is that do you have a guy that's going to be here despite has that has all the talent in the world I and mean, even a guy like drake may Jaden daniels will help we'll even throw jj mccarthy in that boat too um guys that have all the talent in the world are they willing to work hard are they willing to get better and that's the frustrating thing about, about the draft is that we have we have zero of those answers we have zero. We're not talking to these guys. We don't really know who they are as people. That's why it was so cool to talk to eight of them at the Senior Bowl. Because yeah. you got a little yeah. bit of a glimpse. I got a little bit of a glimpse that Kate, that Peyton Wilson's a really smart dude. And as long as he stays healthy, I think Peyton Wilson's going to be a very good player for a very long time. He's a linebacker out of NC State that you guys mm-hmm. like. Javon Baker, got to admit, kid reminded me a little bit of Kadarius Tony. Uh, oh, I, I, don't no. fully, I don't fully know if you know. He's from Florida. Florida. <laughs> I don't. I don't fully know. Hey, explosive player, average just like twenty-one yards per reception. I don't fully know if he knows what's, what the hell's going on out there. So that was helpful. That was helpful to to even just talk to them for eight Wait, minutes. Can I stop you there for a second? Yes. Can you imagine Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman actually meeting 
with Kadarius Tony and coming to out of that meeting in that room. And like, I'm going to be like, a fly. if there is first round pick, you know what? And DeAndre there's Baker. So many scenarios. There's so, I'm sorry, I'm, this is not good radio. Me interrupting you. There are so many things in my life. This is not even my life. There, there are so many things in life. Like if you, if you, genie, ooh, genie, if you could be a fly on the wall for anything in the world that has happened, whether it's your life, someone else's life, or society. Like, oh, I would love to be there for the Giants winning the Super Bowl. I would love to be there for blah, 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 blah. No, I want to be there for the Joe Judge Kadarius Tony Senior Bowl interview. What the <laughs> hell did he say to Joe Judge that blew him away? And Joe Judge said, yeah, I can work on that. I don't need Christian Derisaw. I need Kadarius Tony. <laughs> I, I could do it. Hey, John. Hey, John and Dave. John and Dave, you guys probably hate this guy. I got him. And you know what's crazy? Look at what Tony's done in Kansas City and how kind of kooky he's been relatively to what he was like with the he was kind of quiet on it. Like Joe Judge kind of did keep him on the wraps a yeah. little bit. <laughs> so I guess Joe Judge was right, but Joe Judge uh, being right Joe Judge being right for two good Kadarius Tony games well, doesn't doesn't get you to save your job. But, but shifting back to like what you were saying about the shifting quarterbacks, back. like I mean uh, we're with you. We love Caleb. You're not, I don't think you're exaggerating. Caleb does things that are very special and you don't see that often. Maybe every five, six years, you might come across a talent like that. He's really special. Everything I've heard about him and read about him is he is one of the hardest workers you can imagine. He studies film. Um, there's a lot on his film that's frustrating, but if you really watch Lincoln Riley's offenses, a lot of that is Lincoln Riley offense. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's a lot of, hey, Caleb, snap the ball and figure it the fuck out. You know, <laughs> just that's what it is. I mean, there's like no schemed openings. Um, it's a lot of, hey, Caleb, hit home runs. And he's holding on to the ball looking for home runs. It's exactly the kind of thing where you think like, man, give this guy to Mike Kafka and Brian Dable and watch them like just say, you know what, Caleb, take take the slant. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Just take the take the layup and then we'll, we'll, we'll utilize your talent. We were so excited. I mean, obviously we weren't happy that we were losing, but when we were collapsing, we we're like, all right, we're going to get it. We're, we're, we might get the top pick here. We might get top two. And then I remember, this is one of those moments in my life I'll never forget, is I was driving home with my family. I think we went to see a, a movie or something, and that was the day of the Giants-Patriots game. You were at that freaking game, and you were supposed to keep I, Bobby out of it. I not was. You. I mean, I, mean <laughs> I, told, I told Monty, I was like, do not let Bobby Skinner in that building. Do not <laughs> let Bobby Skinner in that building, because he's always bragging about how they never lose when he's in that freaking building. And I was like, he must not go in that building. And I was like, I don't give a shit if he's six foot nine, 300 and whatever pounds, you get in his way. You play football. Stop him. And then, like, I'm driving home, and he and he texts me. He's like, he's like, he's in the building. I'm like, all right, whatever. And then <laughs> I'm like, turn. I'm turning towards my house, and I get like a notification. And I just look at my phone, and it's like, oh, the Patriots are driving. They're at whatever the 17 yard line or whatever. Okay, yep. they'll tie it. It was an I, extra I pull point. It, it was like an yeah, extra. Yeah, I, I pull into my garage, and I look down, and it's like, final score, Giants win. I was like, no. I was like, no, they missed that. Ten like, they seven. Missed that. Gross. Uh, Neither of us got a top two pick. <laughs> Patriots didn't even end yeah. up with a top two yeah. pick. They, they, and so, and so, I mean, I don't care if people are upset that I was pissed off that they won that game. I was like that game was so meaningless. Yeah. And oh god. Anyway, so I want us to get Taylor. I don't think Chicago is going to trade the pick. I mean, I thought uh -huh. they were for a while, but I don't. I don't know how you can look at Justin Fields and his body of work. He can't read defenses that all that great. He hasn't developed much. He's going to his fourth year. You got to pay him. And look at Caleb Williams and be a talent evaluator and say, I can have that guy for cheaper, that guy for expensive. I'm going to keep the lesser player for more money. And I, I, I don't see it. I think, 
they're shopping it in the sense that like, hey, if somebody wants to Herschel Walker this thing and hand over the entire organization to me over the next five years, I'll think about it. But at the end of the day, I don't think they're trading the pick. And I don't think I don't think any of those three teams are going to trade that pick. I really don't. I, I think the Giants are going to have to decide, are they taking a quarterback at six or are they going to try to play the board? But if they don't come away with the quarterback, and I mean, who knows what they're going to do. But if they don't come away with the quarterback in this class and we're dealing with not so great, often injured Daniel Jones and whoever the hell they put as backup, and we win, what, six, seven games next year? Do you see this coaching staff surviving? Because I don't. I, I can see, I, I think that might be curtains for them. Oh. You know? And that's my fear. This this is yeah. what I'll say about the whole trade thing is, I mean, I don't know if Chicago will trade it. I also agree that I my thought is they probably won't. I, but I know there's a lot of Giants fans who are like against trading up for a quarterback because they look at, you know, recent trade-ups and that work. This is my theory about it. I think that most teams, which is why I don't think these will trade this pick, will not trade out of quarterbacks like Caleb Williams or Drake May. When those quarterbacks are available, they get picked. And it's very rare where there's an Eli Manning-type trade or whatever you want to reference, and people trade out of these picks. I mean, the Dolphins offered three first-round picks for Joe Burrow, and the Bengals said, no thanks, but, you know, whatever. Like, and... I think that the quarterbacks that do get traded up for that these teams usually are willing to move out aren't these top-of-the-line quarterbacks. So, like, when you have an opportunity at one of these guys, like, I I don't think these people should be as worried as they are about moving up for a guy like Caleb Williams if that opportunity no. becomes available. I mean, you're talking about trading what? I mean, what, three, probably three firsts, including the, the, which really the pick swap, two firsts, and maybe a couple of day two picks. That's probably the price, you know? Brown. But who knows? I mean, but who knows with the, with the Caleb tax, what it'll look like if it's even available. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's available to us. I've seen the, the, the ridiculous stories of Drake May falling. I'm, I'm confident that, I'm pretty convinced that's Joe Shane spreading rumors about Drake May um, to try to get him to fall right to six because I don't buy it. I don't buy it, any of this stuff. But we're actually big JJ McCarthy fans um, on this. I podcast. know. Like we, we, I know you are. And we're we're kind of standing on a hill by ourselves with a, with a couple of other people. But we we're standing by our, our our projection here. And Harbaugh loves the kid. Obviously, he has all, all the talent in the world. So again, I want to see talent like that work with Brian Dable. That's my point. Like to me, that's worth more than a tackle. But yeah, that way more, you know, even if you can't get Caleb Williams. And that's what I'll tell you what, that's what Tommy DeVito and Tyrod Taylor proved. And because it was it was different from Daniel Jones. I'm not going to say it was good. It was great. Right. Oh, uh, it, it was it was different from Daniel Jones. And you saw results that weren't putrid. And like I before the turmoil of are these could do these coaches secretly want to murder each other? Before that came out, I ended the season, especially kicking the shit out of the Eagles. Again, wins, losses. That was fun. You know, I, you know, you ended that season where it's like, all right, well, you know, again, you know, you look, I, we were talking pre-show about, about my tweet from, you know, weeks 11 to 18, the Giants had 14 pass plays of 20 plus yards and weeks 11 to 18 was a post Daniel Jones ACL world. The Giants ranked 12th in the NFL during that span. And, and this is where the where the margin was between 0 to 21 points. So it's it's a pseudo game neutral script. I would say 0 to 14 is a little bit more game neutral, but you, you but you get the point. 12th in the NFL in 20 plus yard pass plays when you have a running game that is non-existent with Tommy DeVito and Tyrod Taylor who are not starters in the NFL with Brian Dable, Mike Kafka and Shay Tierney leading the way with 
whoever on offensive line, you know, Justin Pugh straight off the couch, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, no wide receiver one and Hyatt's barely in, you know, barely kind of involved, you know, all, all these kind of things. Like I want this, I want this, co- this, this coaching staff exactly. to get their hands on the quarterback that they want. And here are the prerequisites. Big arm. Yep. And you have like, like, and I'm, and I'm, uh, big, big, big arm. Like I'm not. Tyrod doesn't have a big arm. He, he puts an arc on a ball. I want a big arm, and I want a quarterback that can extend plays with his legs mm-hmm. and go outside the pocket, make throws outside the pocket, make throws outside the, the 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 numbers. That's what I want. Like those are those are the two prerequisites of really any quarterback that I that I would want my team or a team to draft. If you don't have those things and obviously the work the work ethic is the third thing, but I can't I I can't I can't scout that from here. You know, I I can look at the other two things. Oh, also and with with the whole extending plays thing also comes with having a sack rate that is manageable. You cannot mm-hmm. take sacks because sacks, you know, while while explosive plays are so important to keep a drive alive, sacks are the thing that will kill drives right away. Yep. The most negative EPA play there is, right? Is a sack, I believe. Yeah. More than a turnover, obviously, but I mean, less than a turnover, but, but yeah. I mean, it's, we're, we're with you. We want a big arm. We want a big projectable talent. Um, we're actually higher on JJ than we, than, than, than JJ, Jaden Daniels. People think we're nuts, but we were, we did that before the Jaden Daniels hype train went completely crazy. And I'm going to stand on it. Jaden Daniels is a very big arm. And I mean, in the sense of like deep throws, at least. We don't, I, our criticism of him is more of just, he's, he's a guy who's like a, one to two read, see the gap, take off and run. Not a scramble to throw kind of guy. Maybe that was coached, you know. I mean, his he's 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 in that right the uh, that that Kelly offense over there in LSU that it's kind of like that. He's a big talent. I'm not criticizing him. If he goes top three, that's fine. If the Giants take him, I'd be happy. But um, we do like JJ for that reason. Is that that projectable? He does have a big arm. He does have that that athleticism, that speed. He's probably going to go blow up the combine. I'm not going to be shocked if people are talking about him going in the eight to twelve range come draft day. Like his stock's going to rise, I think. And and at that point, Joe Shane has to decide if that's where it is. If I like this kid and I want to give him to Brian Dable, I might just have to take him at six. You know, and that's why I'm not discounting any of those situations. Um, what I don't want to do, and I've heard people argue for this, is. Just pass on quarterback in the first round and maybe come back to it in the second or third. I see no point in that because what are you developing? What's the point of taking the lesser quarterback, right? At that point, you're just saying, we're not taking quarterback in this class. We're rolling with Daniel Jones. If that's going to be their approach, just sign someone, roll with it, cross your fingers and hope you're able to survive the yeah, season. I'm a big believer in, I'm a big believer in if there's, if there's a quarterback that you want, you should feel comfortable taking him in the first round with the pick that you have. Yep, I agree. I agree with you fully. That's that. That's yeah. the that's the argument. That's the argument there. Now, hey, you know, I, I guess it's working a little bit more in Dak and Brock and blah, 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 whatever. But I, I I don't know if the Giants stumble into that. Thumbs up, great. But I don't know if that's great process for for them. The, um, that can't I, be the plan. The, the <laughs> right. only caveat, yeah. The only caveat I'll throw into that is you should be using your intel, and obviously you don't want it to blow up in your face, but say you fall in love and we'll talk about, we should talk about the senior quarterbacks a little bit who are there, but say you fall in love with Michael Penix and all he's dropping because of injuries and you feel confident he's not going to go in a certain range because of the injuries that he's had. That might give you an opportunity like to play the board. The issue is, I don't know, like where they are at this situation. They miss, they miss on the quarterback they get. They might all end up fired. So they're in a tough situation trying to play this game. 
they might get a, they might get fired anyway. How sick would we be as a fan base? As excited as we were the day Joe Shane was hired and then Brian Dable was hired, coming off that 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 epic divisional game between the Chiefs and the Bills, and seeing the work he did with Josh Allen, how disgusted would we be if after three years Brian Dable got fired and he didn't get to coach any quarterback other than Daniel Jones? And it wouldn't be on Dable, in my opinion. It would be on Shane. Yep. Right. Right. If we lose these guys without seeing them do what they supposedly do best outside of Daniel Jones, I will forever view this as the biggest lost opportunity this organization has had in a long time. So now, I, now, now I, here's I, also yeah. the thing. Gettleman got four years, right? Mm-hmm. Never made the playoffs. Joe Shan's getting four years. I think so. I think I think Shane will survive. I'm not sure about Dable. That's the thing. I <sighs> Uh, you know, I think Dable has done enough to separate himself from, the shit. from Shane. They're a pack. Are they though? Are they yeah. though? Like if you're if you're Joe be. Shane, if if a year from now, Brian Dable, they're a seven win team. They roll with 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 Daniel Jones, even if he doesn't play bad, even if he just plays like Daniel Jones, right? And he's just okay, and he gets hurt or whatever, and they win like seven eight games, and this guy's out there. You know, screaming and yelling, and you know, and, and you know, the reporters know. are now there's there's blood in the water. The media in New York is going to be looking for every sniff of this now. If these are the stories coming out, they missed the playoffs in their third year. It's not looking great. He's, I think he's toast. You're making at that sense. Point. I hate that you're I, making sense, but I, in my in my brain, it would be that Joe Shane has done more to put it with a with a bad draft class. Right? I'm not I'm not saying this as a blanket statement. If if that were the case next year, then it would be like I I would feel that Joe Shane did more to set the team back than Brian Dable did. Like I think Brian. Dable, oh, I agree with you. I think I think Brian Dable was one of the main reasons why the timeline was accelerated into 2022, because of the new offense, because of the coaching, because of what he did with Jones, and just the unfortunate thing is, all of our fears heading into 2023, uh, led up to fruition, and especially you know one of those things being, the rest of the league caught on to what the Giants were doing. Um, they watched the two Eagles games and they were like, yeah, this is what they do. And Daniel Jones didn't get better. That no, was the thing. He needed, <laughs> he couldn't elevate any, any, any more beyond that very simplified offense. And that's that. And they have their answer, right? They should know this by now. So yeah, that, I mean, just to kind of put a, put a bow on it. That's kind of how I feel about the quarterback class. I mean, I don't know if you saw, we might as well hop to quarterback. Did you see or meet anybody that you, I know you interviewed some of these quarterbacks we like, talked to Penix. Guys yeah, what did you think of Penix? He has a smile that is, I I like, I don't know. I I, I kind of, I fell in love with the person. I'm not, not going to say like, oh, I fell in love with him as a quarterback. I was kind of being, I was charmed by him. I was like, oh, you just, you just talk and smile. Like there are people that <laughs> don't do that. Um, there's going to be an NFL team that if they need a quarterback and, I, I, Sal, I can't get over the Vikings. I can't I can't get it out of my head because I, I totally agree with you, man, where I feel like Penix needs to go to a situation that's already kind of there, that's already kind of developed, and the Vikings have two good tackles. The Vikings have very good skill position players. The Vikings have good coaching, and you know obviously their defense is a work in progress, but it got figured out towards the second half and the latter part of last year. So Penix does not check the prerequisite box of – being able to manipulate plays, and I, I don't know what his sack avoidance looks like. I haven't. You guys can obviously speak a little bit more to that, but I don't think he's like the guy that's going to break the pocket and make the throw on the run. And whoa, look at this! Whoa, look at this! Wow, Michael Penix play. But I think that's exactly why a team like Minnesota 
would kind of would kind of fit him well. I was even talking to one of my buddies. He's a Steeler fan. That's like, I even feel like Michael Penix could work well there. I don't know if he could work well there because I don't know if their infrastructure is fully set up. But just knowing the type of quarterbacks that maybe they would like, I could see Michael Penix in a in, in a Steeler uniform and and that and that and then making attempting that to work, especially with where they're picking in the draft and Penix may, may still be around. But there will be an NFL team that will fall in love with him as a person because I kind of fell in love with him as a person <laughs> when I talked to him. He's a very advanced passer, and the kid's been through a lot of adversity. And that's something, you know, I heard Bruce Feldman talking about this. You can't teach that, right? You What, what you don't know about these kids is how are they going to respond to adversity and difficulty at the NFL level. And this kid's been through it at, at the collegiate level, at least, and he's come out the other end looking like a Heisman, can't, you know, a Heisman finalist. Um, he reads defense as well. And he, he's just a very good quarterback. You're right that there are some limitations with his mobility. Um, I, don't, I think it's a little overstated. His pressure to sack rate is actually the best in the class, 7%. So he doesn't he doesn't take sacks like he he knows how to manipulate and navigate the pocket. He has really good feet and he gets the ball out. So what he what he lacks in natural raw speed and athleticism, he makes up with you know with just his mind, his footwork, getting the ball out quick. So he's pretty good at that. I'm not too worried about him on the Giants. I do think that you you have to change your offense a little bit in terms of how you call your protections. But he's a vertical threat, man. He's the kind of guy like I can see Dable like if, as long as you can keep him upright for a couple of seconds. I think Dable would love this kid, like because he he like you said, big arm. He's got the he's got a cannon, and um, I don't know if he got a chance to display it at the Senior Bowl, but on tape he has an no. absolute howitzer. That was one of the frustrating things about the Senior Bowl. It's that we're waiting, especially in team drills. It's like let it rip, and especially it, the uh, the American he, team. Oh yeah. my god, where he might have he might have been hurt. You know that right? Like he Ooh. when he panics really. Well, they didn't announce it, but he left. If, if you remember the national title he did. game. He did. He, he didn't Mi- play in the game. Yeah, Michigan, just, they were killing him. Yeah, they did. He was taking a I'll beating in that game. He, he, yeah, he was holding his ribs, you know, like hold, he injured his ribs a little bit. So I'm surprised he had healed up that quickly in a couple of weeks to play. I was like, no, that, that's tough. The kid it seemed tough, to be a coaching yeah. thing. It, it didn't seem yeah. to be a Penix thing at all. Um, you know, maybe okay. he was a little hurt, and that's why he didn't play in the game, which, hey, I mean, you know, good good for him. Um, you know, also, he probably didn't feel the need to play in the game because he had a – Penix had a good week. Of, he didn't have a great week. He had a good week of the senior bowl, and I honestly think it's an important thing for quarter, – especially quarterbacks that are, like, highly touted and they choose to go to the senior bowl, which is awesome. It's important for them to not have bad weeks. Yeah. Um, like, I think that's the main thing because if you have too good of a week, then people are going to get on your ass and be like, ah, it's just practice. But if you have a bad week, then it's like, oh, crap. Well, this, this guy just looked bad and that – and that's and that's not good, you know. Kenny Pickett, he looked all right, but you know he, he couldn't throw the ball through the rain at mm. the Senior Bowl, and that was that was a really that was a really bad that was a bad mark on him that year. So uh, yeah, Penix looked good, didn't look great, but I also think none of the the coaching and the way that the practices went, it didn't necessarily like allow any of the quarterbacks to be like, all right, show off that arm, throw throw it to a. Uh, Throw it to Tez Walker, forty-five yards down the field, or Javon Baker, fifty yards down the field, one one v one, and see if you can get that ball there and make an awesome play. So, wasn't necessarily on the cards for either coaching staff that week to really show off that kind of stuff in team drills. I'll I'll ask, and I'll ask with with Penix and with Knicks. Did did the ball look like how'd the ball look coming off their hands? Like I know it's a little bit different when you when you look to go deep, but. As far as just velocity coming off their hand, driving the ball, how how did you see those guys? I would say Willis. Where, where was he last year? Or two years ago, two years ago. Um, I'd say Willis was the guy that I was like, whoa, it, it's it's apparent with him, and it wasn't it wasn't that level. 
Um, mm-hmm. Knicks, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he yeah. could barely he could barely handle a snap at times, and, and I it, there was a lot of na- like it was a big like national people versus it kind of felt like us at times, but also other people were saying that he didn't look. I didn't think Nick's Nick's had a bad week. I mean that's could barely handle snaps. I thought he was inaccurate at times. People clipped up his good plays where it's good. Okay, he can make throws. He's a quarterback, and he'll probably be around for a long time even as a backup, and that's good. But if we're talking about this guy as like a first round prospect, um. I've 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 moved on from from the Bonick strain. Nothing against him, but just no. Even even yes. heading in, I was a little apprehensive. You know, average stuff, the target stuff, and I and then Senior Bowl's like, all right, you're you're having trouble even handling a snap here. Like, okay, Dinar. His arm, uh, you know, if you watch his game film, he's very accurate in the short area. A very like a very McVay Shanahan style system. He's he's very good in those like between the numbers short under 15 yards mm-hmm. good really great processor you know you can see the experience when he has to throw outside the numbers if he has to throw a little bit deeper and you watch his ball um, it shows up on tape it just dies like a duck and i, and I heard it, he was throwing some ducks out there so i'm not surprised unfortunately i saw that a ton on tape yeah yeah there was a big debate that was one of the guys that it was like darius robinson it's like a big debate of look at all these throws that bonix made and then you know we're, we're sitting there being like not really you know, not not really the throws that you want to see these guys make this week that'll really that'll really make you go wow like this guy's really worth paying attention to. I felt that Bo Nix really needed the Senior Bowl and really to to live up to some of the hype he was getting leading up to like the Lance Airlines of the world who were really hyping him up. He needed to go out there and show the ball looked different coming off his hand and be like, hey, you see me in person? Watch how I can spin this thing. Like I know you saw it in the tape, but watch me get out here and spin this. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't sound like he did that at all. And it was unfortunate for him that he was on the same team as Michael Penix. So it's Michael Penix that's looking good. And dude, Sam Hartman even looked better than him at times from Notre Dame. Like, oh, Mm. oh, who's who's this guy running this offense? Oh, it's Sam Hartman delivering these balls. Okay. Bo Nix not. Obviously, had his good moment. I don't don't want to ignore it because I know people are going to maybe get mad. But had his good moments. But again, you're, you're looking for these quarterbacks to separate themselves. Not just yeah. be good, not just have a high completion rate. You're looking for them to separate themselves, and Penix, Penix did that w- within what he was asked to do during the Senior Bowl week, and Bo Nix did not. Yeah. I'm I, not surprised. And I think ultimately, you know, like I really where we stood is Bo, Bo Nix wasn't a good fit for us. I mean, you'd have to. We felt that you have to put him in a really advanced West Coast system where he can really take advantage of his weapons. And there's offenses out there, and I think. People, Bo Nix will have his fans in the NFL. I just didn't think it made a lot of sense here. Um, everything I want to mention was to Penix. I'm, I'm with you, Justin. Me and Sal are a little bit different. We're both high in Penix, but Sal's much higher than I am. And it's because I'm the same as you. I have the prerequisite for quarterback where I really want somebody who can move. Um, and I'm and where I'm kind of come from it is you know I like Penix. If we took him, I'm fine with that. But I'm. I would rather be okay missing on a guy like that the way the guys like that have gone recently, and just stay away and ha- have him. Yell. He's such a he's such a throwback quarterback to me. Such like an early two thousands quarterback where that worked really well. Then I just haven't seen it enough recently, and I'm just like I'm not gonna be the one who tries to buck that trend. All yeah. Especially for how Dable calls an offense, I feel. Yeah, you know, it's, it's even even looking at what Daniel Jones, the the liberty that he gives Daniel Jones to drop back and run, um, 
you know, and the most efficient play in football is a quarterback scramble when a quarterback drops back to pass and then they run. Um, I, I would, again, not to say that Penix can't do it. It's just that it's not the strong element of his game. So, I, I you know, again, yeah, fit fit with the Giants. Fair. Fit with the Giants. Yeah. It's it's not necessarily this guy's a bad quarterback. It's just, you know, we're talking about he's a Giant, you know, fit with the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't really care to go over too many other quarterbacks unless because I really, I guess the three of us are on the same page because we're like, if we're not going to get a first round quarterback, then whatever. You mm-hmm. know, that's how I'm looking at it. But um, I, we're taking up a ton of your time. But if you're having fun, we can keep going. I'm having uh, fun. A couple of, let's do this. Um, tackles. We were starting to talk about tackles. The Giants, I heard they met twice with Roger Rosengarten from Washington. Uh, I don't know if you got to watch any of the tackles, but or anybody stand out to you that you thought was in, in range. But Rosengarten was right tack was the right tackle at. Um, he was actually the blindside tackle for for Michael Penix at Washington. Good pass blocker, usually not the best run blocker. If you remember the national title game, he had his lunging by that Michigan blitz. I mean that 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 Zach Minter that was calling. I mean uh, that Jesse Minter was calling. Um, and just getting beat one on one by by Dylan Hurrell, the, the edge rusher for Michigan, just getting slaughtered. So I, I heard the Giants were interested in him. I wouldn't mind it because I think this guy's like a late day three kind of a flyer at a swing tackle. Maybe you can get a starting right tackle if he gets a good coaching out of him kind of person. But I don't know if any of the tackles stood out for, to you that you met or that you watched and thought, oh, that's interesting. That guy might be good. I gotta go back and I gotta watch uh, that guy from Washington and his and his one v one reps, especially knowing that the Giants kind of met with him and it was reported that they met with him. Um, but Christian Jones out of Texas, that's obviously a, it's a much bigger name. Um, he he, I think was just the the cleanest and the and the best tackle all, all week. Yeah. Um, Patrick Paul from uh, Houston, yeah. he's an underrated guy that I think not a lot of people have been talking about, but I saw him flash a little bit, a little inconsistent, but again, you know, if you're inconsistent, odds are maybe you're a, you're a day two, day three guy. And that's where, you know, maybe we're going to be looking to, uh, to g- grab a tackle. Um, Kingsley, all right, hear me out with this. BYU offensive <laughs> tackle. Yeah. Go ahead. Let also, me see if we can do it. There was also like three Kingsleys at the senior bowl and it was very confusing. And two, <laughs> I, I, I know, I, I know, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and two, two of them were like on the front seven and there, there was like one on offense, one on defense. Kingsley Suamatia. That's not it. That's correct. Oh, it is That's correct. It. Yeah. Right. Su- BYU, yeah, yeah. BYU for offensive tackle. I thought he was, I thought he was pretty solid and he was pretty good in his one V one reps. Um, can I tell you about the story of a, a little a little old boy named Dominic Pooney from Kansas? Yes. I'm going to tell you the story of, of a little old boy, Dominic Pooney from Kansas. Um, one of the worst day ones I've ever seen from somebody at the Senior Bowl, an O-line, D-line, 1v1. He was at tackle mainly, a little bit at guard, mostly at tackle. 2023, he was also playing tackle for the University of Kansas. He moves to center and guard, day two and day three mostly. 2022, and I guess, you know, wherever he was, you know, Kansas or, you know, wherever he was playing, you know, before 2023, he was playing on the in the, in the interior. Uh-huh. Dominic Pooney was good. He was, like, really good. It, it, he didn't look like a great athlete. He didn't look like he was tremendously strong, but he's got size, and he was, especially when he was, when he moved to center, I'm like, who the hell is this guy? I haven't recognized this guy snapping the ball from day one. Find it to be very funny that Dominic Pooney, who has the last name of P-U-N-I, so it should be Pooney, like Puny, like a, like a puny man. Um, the story of Dominic Pooney is one that I, 
I, I learned to fall in love with the mobile because, you know, it's one of those things, if it's not how you start, it's how you finish, and the little, the little engine that could, and, 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 all, and all those things too. So that's, that's an even an, an underrated guy that I definitely don't think is going to be drafted high. But if you, want, if you want a day three guy to root for to go somewhere, um, Puni, so, I always called him Puni. Puni it is. Puni is a guy that uh, our friend Don had told me about a couple of months ago. He kept bugging me. He's like, have you looked at Puni? Have you looked at Pooney? I'm like, no, I haven't looked at Pooney yet. Yeah. And then last week he was like, I told you to freaking look at Pooney because he was doing <laughs> well. And, um, and and he's right. Like the guy's got really – I mean, he, he played at left guard in 2020. We had like 848 reps at left guard last year. And he had 728 left tackle. So I don't know. I guess you're saying he looked better on the interior. That doesn't oh, 100%. Okay, so he's an so he's probably an interior lineman, but maybe he has versatility. Maybe he can play some tackle in the NFL yeah. with some coaching. Who knows? This is the kind of guy we should be looking at. Um, Monty, did you see his grades from PFF? They're ridiculous. No, I did. So he had a ninety point five pass blocking grade this year. Uh, he had a seventy two point five run blocking grade. His over his true true pass set grade was eighty six point six. Now I know we're not. I know everybody doesn't love PFF. I'll say this. The good thing about PFF is they're getting better as they accumulate more data. They're a database center, so the the, the sample size is perfect. We like to look at it from year to year to year, just to get a, a feel for how guys perform. He had he was a sixty eight point six in twenty twenty two. He's an eighty point six at tackle this year, and his pass blocking was insane. So you're, if you're saying this guy looked good on the interior, and he's improving as a pass blocker wherever he's playing, that's an intriguing name. That's yep. somebody to, you know. Um, let me see where they have him graded. They actually have him in the top seventy. They have him sixty eighth overall. So you know, what? day two. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. He did look good. He looked good when he yeah. moved to the interior, and I was so like that stuck out. That stood out, but he he was really. I was like, Dave won. I'm like, all right, goodbye. Like, uh, <laughs> like he was he was a D lineman highlight reel. Like usually the guys that are well, yeah, you have to yeah. take note at the Senior Bowl of the guys that are good, but then also the guys that are D D lineman or O lineman highlight reels because. Those are the guys that if guys have good plays against, it's like, all right, maybe I have to dismiss this a little bit because this guy may not be that good. Yeah. I mean, I like Patrick Paul. We, we reviewed him earlier in the year. The problem with Patrick Paul is he's kind of a very lean, long guy. And we thought, like, there's no way this guy will ever play in the interior. And, I mean, not that you want him to, but you Oh, he was out want... there at tackle at, this, at the senior bowl. Yeah. And, we're, like, I don't think he has any versatility to play guard in the NFL. So if he misses okay. a tackle, it's over for him. That's kind of our concern because he's, he's very light. For his frame, uh, but and and I don't think he's great. But well, we'll see. I mean, he's probably going to go early day two. Also, um, also yeah, say it's, it's interesting. Hand, yeah. hand, hand up on Patrick Paul that I'm I, trying everything in my mind to get by is I just remember Josh Jones out of Houston being that like pass blocking tackle, and he was mm. supposed to go like first round, and all of a sudden he fell around three. Trying so hard well, not, but not he to think have, about he, him. He, he, he does have one thing that we do like. He has NFL bloodlines. His brother is Chris Paul, the guard from the Commanders. Yeah. Um, so not – and when I told Monty that, he's like, Chris Paul's been playing basketball for like 30 years. Yeah, I'm like, not that guy. I'm like, oh, not, not that Chris Paul. <laughs> Chris Paul, the guard from the Commanders. Um, so he, he does have NFL bloodlines. Um. I don't know. Is it like we've gone through so many guys? Is there anybody that you saw that just stood out? Just shoot from the hip that you wanted to talk about. Any you know, any position? Any yeah. position? Oh God! I mean, we haven't talked receivers yet, and the receivers are always like that's like the funnest position to talk about in the draft. All right, I'm gonna can I can I just rip off some names for wide receiver, yeah, and then you them. and then yeah. I'm gonna rip them off, and then you let me know where you want where you want to go. Okay. Devontae Walker, UNC. That's a conversation. 
Like I, it, that is, that's not like a, this guy stood out in a great way. That is a conversation that we can have if you want. Roman Wilson from Michigan, stud. I think we already know this. Ricky Pearsall from Florida, stud. Also a good dude. We interviewed him. He was the first interview that we had. We can even talk about that. Javon Baker, UCF. I already gave a Baker UCF, but we did interview him, and I, he was funny, but also, like, <laughs> he, I'll say he was funny. He was he was Canary's Tony funny, but do you want that on your football team? Brendan Rice, very physical player. I mean, obviously, you know Jerry Rice's son. Um, now we're going to move to the American team. Jamari Thrash, Louisville, mm, a guy I that stood him. out. A guy that stood out. Yeah. I had no notes on him heading into the week, and he's a guy that stood out. Jaquan Jackson, Tulane, guy that's small, but I will. Here's my here's my main observation on Jaquan Jackson out of Tulane. Small slot wide receiver, probably. Uh, I. When I was filming wide receiver DBs 1v1s, you, know, you have to move the camera because if guys are fast, then you have to follow them. He was the he was the rep that I had to move the fastest for all week. Where I was like, yeah. "Oh my god, I'm flying!" I'm I'm, th- I'm thinking this as I'm as I'm following the ball and as I'm following him, I'm thinking, "Oh my god, I'm really going fast right now." That was my thought. I'm like, "Who caught that ball? Oh, Jaquan Jackson. I'll write him down." Um, <laughs> Johnny Wilson out of uh, FSU. Uh, I believe this is the guy that's big and slow, and I can kind of compare yeah. to a – who's that guy from Stanford? Xavier Huggins? Who's Elijah Higgins. Elijah Higgins. I just got yeah. confused with Xavier Leggett and Elijah Higgins. Um, so Johnny Wilson, FSU, wide receiver, big, slow. I kind of compared – I kind of like did like – this may be a bad comparison, but I did compare him to Elijah Higgins on like the first Senior Bowl recap show. And then lo and behold, I think they might have started to try him at a tight end. I I, I, I can't remember, though, but yeah, I can't remember. But he's big and slow, and I don't, I don't. Again, Elijah Higgins is my comparison. Xavier Leggett from South Carolina, a guy that had big expectations coming into the week. I think he kind of fell short of them. Um, uh-huh. It was a Rasheed Rice type of week where I feel like a guy that had very high expectations to dominate didn't dominate, but still had a decent week. I actually do think that Rasheed Rice had a better week than Xavier Leggett. And that was a guy, Rasheed Rice was obviously a guy last year that was talked about how he had like a disappointing week. So especially if we're talking about, again, he's a giant. I don't know if Xavier Leggett fits the giant skill sets of speed, separation. I think he is an explosive player, but again, I don't know what the speed is going to really look like. And then the final player I have is Lad McConkey out of Georgia. He was fun and a bunch of, we had reporters behind us from like Georgia and they were doing TV stuff. And the guy, the guy was saying, Oh, loud McConkey. There are people down here in Mobile saying that he reminds me of Cooper cup. You know, that guy, oh. and like, he, he's going to get Cooper cup comps all just, just the way to the drive. Yeah. But Lad McConkey did have a really good week. So. He's a, he's a big shifty white guy in the slot. So he's, he's going to be Cooper. Cup. He's very good. He's yeah. a really outstanding player. Um, let's start with Tez Walker because I love yeah. Tez Walker. I want to talk Tez Walker. Um, and let's, let's hear your thoughts about Tez. My main question with Tez Walker is I wanted him to prove in Mobile that kind of a little bit of the Jalen Hyatt effect. I wanted to prove that he can run routes because I think that UNC offense is very vertical-based. I think his average up to target was super high, um, and I think he he proved that at the release he's pretty solid. Uh, there, were some, there were some DBs that tried to get hands on him, and he did a nice job of swiping those away and getting separation right at the stem. I, cl- I actually made a, a Don uh, a Quan, a walk. Tez Walker was one of the first shorts that I made of that week of a voiceover. Oh, look at these two plays and look at how good they are. I don't know if I walked away from the senior bowl being like, yeah, I'm sold that this guy can run 
like NFL routes and get NFL separation. I know he has the explosivity. I know he has the athleticism, um, but it's the route running and, you know, kind of like that, the little refinements of his game that I still have some questions about. So you love him. Well, I love, I do. I, I think he's, he was underutilized. Um, I don't think Mac Brown calls the most dynamic offense. I think he just happens to have good quarterback play. Um, I think Tez Walker is a very good route runner when he's asked to do certain routes, like kind of like Jalen Hyatt. You're not going to ask him to run the full route tree. I would agree. Like, I don't think he does that. Not fully yet, at least. But what he does very well is he, he stretches the field. He runs good posts and vertical routes. He gets separation, at least on game film he does. And he does not decelerate when he goes into his break, which is something we looked at a lot. Like these, some of these guys, like as soon as they break, they, they slow down and whatever separation they got, they lose. He doesn't lose it. Like when he gets it, he's very smooth and, and just powers right through those breaks. So I liked him a lot. Um, he's getting a lot of first round love. I mean, for, for like legit first, early second round love. So, I mean, I, I think people are beginning to catch on. I thought he was going to be a little bit of a sleeper for us, but I don't think he's going to last. So I'm, it's interesting to hear you guys didn't hear too much. You didn't see too much that you loved from him. So no, don't, yeah. don't get me wrong. I saw a lot that I, I saw a lot that I liked. And again, I, I really think a lot of these receivers like didn't benefit from the fact that these co- this coach the coaching staffs on both teams you didn't have like the wow plays of oh this guy going deep and beating double coverage i mean even Payne Durham had like a highlight worthy play where between a between a safety and a corner or whatever a linebacker and a safety he makes this catch in the end zone and his helmet comes flying off and he does a spike and it's like holy shit and that's Payne Durham the slowest guy in the freaking class last year out of tight end out of, out of out of Purdue, so you didn't really have that. You didn't really have like the wow team plays of, of guys like really going and like utilizing what they could do. And I think Tez, I know Tez Walker has it. So that's why I'm I was very intrigued by him heading into the week. And really, I think the main thing is is that he did not show me that he couldn't do it. And I think that's the that's my main yeah. takeaway from from Tez Walker. He had that's some fair. he had some drop issues as well too, right? At that was the that was at the yes. And I think that that's what I ignore out of my brain because I want to like him. But you oh. are right, and I'm glad you brought that up because I. But he he only dropped like six percent of his passes this year. Yeah, it game, wasn't so it wasn't was, a big. Thing. It was like the yips or something at the yeah. at the senior bowl. More, yeah, yeah. It was it wasn't but, on his film. Xavier. So his yard for route run. To be to be fair to you, only two point two eight. Like we we kind of look at that as like a you know that's a gauge at least from fantasy purposes how yep. these guys are going to do. Um, two point two eight is not. It's okay. It's not amazing. Like, um, but Xavier Leggett's over three. I know. You know, and he, he's like three one or something like that, if I recall. Um, and I, the the problem with Leggett is, you know, he he didn't do anything until this year, until his fifth yes. year. He like he he had zero production until this year, and then he blew up this year, like insanely blew up. And so you know, you always have to be wary of guys like that. You know, like are are they just staying in college too long? You know, is that the issue? Um, so I do think the senior bowl was going to affect his stock one way or another. Right. Part of me is cynically happy that he didn't have a great week because I actually do think he could be a good player in the NFL. If the Giants want to take him to make him their X receiver and say, hey, look, we don't have a real X. We'll take you in the second round somewhere. I, I wouldn't be upset about that. I also hated that Xavier Legat ended up coming in two inches shorter than he reported. That stunk because he's... 
he's a big guy who plays big. And like, I don't know for me, I know like, Oh, it's no big deal. He still plays big, but I'm like, yeah, but like it's a difference when you have like a three inch advantage over these corners than having a one inch, like a one inch advantage over these corners. Like it's small, but he, I don't know. It's, it, you're not going to get the DK Metcalf cat comps as much anymore. Right. And I asked Bobby and Grump on um, one of the recap shows, because I didn't know a ton about Leggett. So I asked them, you know, because they were talking about him all week. And, you know, this is clearly a guy that was hyped up coming in. And I was like, okay, but, so the one thing I want to know is what what is his trump card? What is the thing that he does best? Because we're talking about how he's disappointed and we're talking about, you know, some things that he could do well, could do better, what he is doing in the Super Bowl. What is his trump card? And they said, like, I think they came down to, like, oh, he's, he makes spectacular catches. That Now I said, okay, does that mean he's a does that mean he's a he's a contested catch wide receiver? They said no, but he just makes, like, spectacular catches. And, I, and when I heard that, I kind of re- removed myself a little bit. Is that is that fair, accurate? Rem- I see we're making faces. He does make contested catches. I wouldn't say he's, he's about 50%, which is kind of where you want to be. Mm-hmm. He's right in that territory. So I don't think he's, like – Bad at it. He's a good hands catcher on film. I mean, he, he like he plucks the ball out of the air. I think that's something. And I know people made a big deal because his hand size came in smaller than they liked. Also, uh, and they were like, "Well, how does he do this?" But he does. He plucks the ball out of the air. So um, I think there's enough concerning features here where I'm gonna. I think his stock is gonna actually fall. Like yeah. he's gonna. I think he's gonna keep tumbling now, and and he may find himself in the third round even. So we'll see. But. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to taking a flyer on a guy like him. I really wouldn't. Like, I think we could use an X receiver. Um, yeah, he's a good athlete, too. L- l- let me jump to – I mean, so just quickly, Roman Wilson's a guy we both liked. We were both – we both became – we we became um, biased Michigan fans throughout the course of the year as we did our week-to-week reviews because every week there were Michigan stars. Like, and we're like, how good are these guys? Like, we're like every week, no matter what position group there were, there were like these great Michigan players. Well, they're all well like, coached and they're all well coached. These guys are playing so, so well. And we're like, I remember like by week five, I was like, Monty and I were talking, I'm like, they're going to win the natty. Like, like they're going to, they're going to roll over people and win the natty. And they did. Um, so we knew Rowan Wilson was good. Yeah. By the way, six players on the, uh, on the national team that were six Michigan players at the senior bowl on the national team, six and yeah. the senior and the senior bowl are guys. I would say Roman Wilson's the best guy senior bowls, guys that are just like, you kind of, you kind of are there cause you need to be there. Yeah. Six. yeah. And, six. and they just yeah. played. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, yeah. They're, and there's more, impressive. there's more, there's more, so, there's more in this draft class. I, I think Wilson did a lot to help with stock. I think that's been well-documented and he's going to um, blow up the combine. Absolutely, he is. He's the only really, he's player, a freak. the only player to beat Quinion Mitchell all week mm-hmm. was Roman Wilson. Didn't yep. Quinion Mitchell call him out and say, "I want you"? Well, when sure, they let I'm him pick somebody, it was the what was great is I think this was day two, and yeah, because day three they just they just screwed around, which was frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, day two, the end of practice. I you know I'm on, I'm not on the field, so I, especially I'm all the way up high because I'm trying to film everything. So it was they went up against each other like three times, and it was one v one. It's and it and it's clear by day two. These are the two best. These are the two best football players on the field, and the coaches gave probably what the players wanted, uh, what the teammates wanted, what they wanted, and then what all the what all the fans and spectators wanted. Of they, you know, we're gonna have best player on offense go up against the best player on defense. Uh, Quentin Mitchell got him a few times, but and I will say the only reason Roman Wilson did win. Like he won, he had the he had that one handed catch on the yeah. sideline. It was like an out route going towards the sideline. 
He won because Quinion Mitchell tripped. But you know what? It's still a win. Yep. You, you and it was an incredible catch. And it was an incredible yeah. catch. He's he's very fast. He's very, very fast. So good yeah. at the release, too. Yeah, he yeah. separates. He's fast. He's strong. He's a hell of a blocker. I don't, I, I, they probably didn't get to show that. But you watch him on tape. This guy blocks like a demon in he's, space. He's a good football player. He reminds me a little bit of a juiced-up Jep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think we, I think we even talk, commented on that a little bit. Um, so those guys are good. Pure Saul's good. Let's talk about Jamari Thrash. This is a guy like I I like Jamari Thrash. When you watch him on his tape, like, well, well, why don't you give me your thoughts? You watched him, right? What did you think about him? I don't have a ton. Of, he got open. I mean, yeah. that that was the, the the biggest thing of the week is just again gl- glancing over to wide receiver DBs, especially if O line D lines happening. Who's that guy that caught that? Oh, oh, guy with the red helmet. Thrash, 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 and it was similar to him and Jaquan Jackson. By the time day two and day three rolled around, it's who are the guys that's nobody's talking about that's having a really good week? And Jamari Thrash was one of those guys that you know nobody's talking about it heading in, but leaving it, you know, guys are you know, we're all we're all talking about him. It it sounds a lot like our notes that have it in front of us. It's just like yeah. lots of lots of separation. Go lots get separation. ball. Any frame gets open. Uh, doesn't flash anything. He's just yeah. He's not flashy, but he gets You're- open. Mm-hmm. He's solid after the catch, smooth runner, smooth route runner. Yep, nothing flashy, but he was a always open. Like you watch his game tape; he's he was, somehow he was always open. You're like, he doesn't even look that fast on tape, but he's just always open. And and so yeah, I liked him a lot. Um, let me see. I'll give you a name, and, and this is uh, not a guy from a Senior Bowl, but if you want a, a, a couple of names to Please. look at that were at the Shrine Bowl, uh, one wide receiver and one lineman. So a wide receiver, I want you to look at. I've been telling. I told this guy about him months ago. He doesn't I listen. I know where you're going. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, right Malik Washington. Yeah, Malik Washington, wide receiver from UVA. So this kid was at the Shrine Bowl. And I was telling him, I, I just looked him up. I, I was I live in the you know the DC area, so I watch UVA games. I want my kids to go to UVA, so I'm trying to brainwash my house. So uh in any case, this kid pops. Like he's and he's small. He's Wandale Robinson size. He's small. He's not big, um, but he's like he's stout. He's he, he looks like he's bigger than Wandale. He's about five eight, but he's like a stronger kid. When you watch him, he is an absolute monster. Like he's uncoverable. Kind of like he's a lot. He's got a lot of Zay Flowers vibes the way he plays football, and he's strong. Like he runs people over and he runs great routes. So I started looking up his stats, and I was shocked. Absolutely shocked at this kid's like stats. He was at like three points, some some huge number in his um, in his yards per route run. His grades are crazy off the chart. Then you watch his film, and you're like, wow, he knocks people around. It's not easy to find his film. You got to go to like ACC stuff. But um, he blew up the Shrine Bowl, and I, he was coached by Mike Kafka, if I recall. So um, you know, somebody to watch. We already have Wandale, but as far as I'm, you know, day three guy, if he's there, mm-hmm. uh, just another another guy that's just a good football player. So that's yeah. someone that you should look at. And then there's a, there, you probably have heard of this guy, the lineman who, I don't know why he went to the Shrine Bowl, but Christian Mahogany from Boston College. Have you heard of him? Yes. Yeah, he went to the Shrine Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> he was in Bobby's yeah, I don't know uh, mock draft. He yes. was, I think, did, yes. Very good, very good lineman. Um, I'm not sure why he went to the Shrine Bowl. I really am not. He, he should have been at the Senior Bowl, but really solid i think he's of the ilk of christian haynes so those are two guys and and the, i guess the other one worth mentioning is frank Gore jr yeah. um frank he Gore probably, jr. He, yeah he, he now he was definitely coached by mike kafka he's obviously frank Gore senior's son good, really good running back he played at uh mississippi southern, southern mississippi. mississippi yeah i don't know why he went there 
but he's really good. <laughs> um, really, really good. So, like, just just kind of guys you want to take a look at that are, like, sleepers, day three kind of guy. Well, Mahogany's probably a day two guy, but, mm-hmm. um, but you know, just guys to look at and say, hey, if the Giants want to just add good players. And like you were saying, we got to hit on the draft. We got to add difference makers in the draft. Yeah. You can't keep missing, you know, and there there are sleepers here. So, yeah, um, that that's worth mentioning. But that's good discussion. Did you see Malachi Corley, by the way? Yeah. Is he – um? Western, he's a Western, Western Kentucky vehicle. Western Kentucky, mm-hmm. yeah. Western Kentucky, mm-hmm. yeah. Very, very Debo like. I, I didn't have like no, but Debo was the was the phrase that I that I actually heard th- thrown around, and I and I always kind of when I hear Debo, I, I love Debo Samuel, so I always kind of like roll my eyes, especially yeah. you know, oh, I know Robinson could be like Debo Samuel. It's like yeah, you yeah, hear it every that. Stop. Um, <laughs> not even Debo Samuel wants to be like Debo Samuel because he hated yeah. he hated that role that one year. Um, I didn't, I didn't hear, I didn't hear much. I didn't, I didn't see much, but that doesn't mean that he, that he didn't have a good week. I mean, here's the thing with receivers, man, receivers. And this is why it's, this is, it's the most fun position to look at every year in the draft. It's because these guys are good because they come from advanced offenses in college. Um, and it's because they're all athletic freaks and they can, they can all run. And, And even if you can't run, then they're strong and they can go up and they can high point a football and catch it. And, you know, you could say that you know, maybe the the possession, the possession, you know, jump ball 50-50 receivers kind of dying in the NFL. But I, I think that depends on the coach that you have. You know, you see George Pickens is still doing, you know, is, is kind of keeping that keeping that alive there in Pittsburgh. So um, all these receivers are so fun, like all so, of them. So what the one thing I'll say, Justin, when you go look at Malik Corley, go look at his 2022 tape because he was much more of an aggressive looking runner in that. Um mm-hmm. It, it it's fun. It's some fun stuff. Even if you just look up like the highlights from it, it's, it's fun. He was really fun that age. That's where he looked most like Debo because he just ran fucking through people. That's um, awesome. But all right, so we we spent a lot of time. We're getting late. Um, do you want to just throw out any running back names and try to? We'll try to get out of here. Now, nah, running running back was a position that's uh that's tough for me to watch. It was, it was the two guys, the, the one kid from USC, Marshawn and Lange. the New Hampshire. Yeah, he caught a bunch of balls. Dylan Lobby, I, I saw. I saw he oh. was was killing people as a receiving back. Yeah, so the, those are the two guys, and I, I kind of every every year I, I choose my battles because number one, I recognize that I'm not, I'm not at like this is why I think I, I'm, I'm I'm honored, and I also think it's crazy that you had me on as the first guest because I definitely do not consider myself an NFL draft junkie. Um, so when I'm at the Senior Bowl, I very much divide and conquer. It's like yeah. I want to know the guys that I know and. I kind of want to. I, I this was the first year where I I really wanted the Senior Bowl to kind of come to me, mm-hmm. where the guys that stood out, I was like, hey, this guy had a good week. I'll continue to look more into him. I didn't want to be like have like all these write ups of you know seventy eighty players that were heading into the week and be like, all right, I know every single one of them. No, I kind of want to let like, hey, let let the week kind of come to me. If 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 I, if Isaiah Adams has a great week, great. Uh, like then, oh, I'm glad to see that he's already projected as like a day two guy. Christian Haynes, oh cool, he had a great week. Well, everybody's now talking about him, so then it's good to look. It's good to look into him. So this was the first year where I really let the Senior Bowl come to me, and I actually enjoyed it a lot more. Being like genuinely surprised by, oh, look at that guy, look at that guy, look at that guy. And I know yeah. it's not the the kosher way to go about things. It's maybe not like the NFL analyst way to go about things, but I don't really hold myself to that to that stand. Yeah. So. <laughs> Go have fun. The, the Senior Bowl is always frustrating to me because it's like if you watch college football all year and you watch these kids, I hate seeing kids get pushed down. 
because yeah. the senior bowl is such an unnatural environment. Like I like seeing kids getting pushed up. I like seeing kids who maybe didn't get a chance to show out and then they go with these one-on-one reps against like big power five guys and they show out and you're like, all right, that's a player. But I like, like the Rasheed Rice thing is a good example, right? He was good all year. His tape was great. He just was very average at the senior bowl. And people were like, oh, we can't separate. It's going to be mm-hmm. a problem. Um, and look at him in the NFL, right? He's the player he was at, where, where, where do you go? Southern Methodist or whatever. Um, so I I don't, I kind of like take it with a grain of salt, but I do like hearing about like the sleeper guys mm-hmm. who are rising, who make a name for themselves. Or, um, or a guy. So I, think, I think you're doing a good. Or a guy like Quinion Mitchell who really needed to go up against big talent and he showed it. Dude, he just right. he's, I I've never been more sold to that. Like a guy as, let's just say a guy at the senior bowl. Like a guy at the senior bowl is going to be a good NFL player. I've never been more like my heart my heart will be broken if he is like not a good football player. I mean injuries could always happen and that's the thing that holds people back, but like I, my heart will legitimately be broken if he's just like okay, completely healthy player and he's not a good and he's not a good NFL player just because he falls under all those prerequisites that you want, and he just dom- he dominated all week. Can I tell you one guy that was, and this is, again, like this is nothing against anybody. He was the worst player that I've ever seen at the Senior Bowl. <laughs> okay. And I've been going, like, I think, the last two or three years. Tanner Bordellini out of Wisconsin, and I think it's just very hilarious. He's an offensive lineman, interior guy, and I just think it's very hilarious that he has the last name Bordellini. And he was that bad. Like he, like when I took, all right, D lineman highlight, D line, D line highlight reel, Dwayne Carter from Duke kicking ass. And I'm like, oh, great. All right. So Dwayne Carter, write his name down. Gabe Hall from Baylor. Oh, he had a great swim move. Okay. Write that name down. And then I look back and all these guys, all the defensive guys that impressed me from day one, they're going up against Tanner Bordellini from Wisconsin. (laughs) And I'm like, what the hell? Or Tanner Borrellini. So yeah, that's the, so. Speaking of tearing guys down, uh, well, I guess we'll end this with tearing down Tanner Borrellini. Well, well, here's a tidbit about that. Did he look poorly coached to you when you saw him? I'm curious. Uh, yeah, I mean, he just okay. Lean, you know, leaning who, and yeah, really bad. So do you know, do you know who his online coach was? Oh no! Don't, don't tell me. Don't tell me he's Giants tied somehow. He he's tied to our players. His oh, online no. coach is Jack Bicknell Jr. You know where he was online coach two years ago in 2022? Where? University of North Carolina. Oh, joy. <laughs> <laughs> so so Bicknell Jr. is tied to Dable. I looked it up when they when they drafted Josh Azudu, way overdrafted him. And then they took Marcus McKeithen for God knows what reason. Um, and of course, we were all excited about Josh. And we're like, hey, they must have a plan, right? And then they're just terrible. We're like, no, they don't have a plan. <laughs> so, um, I looked it up. Bicknell Jr. was O-line coach when Dable was offensive coordinator in Kansas City, I think back in 2014, whatever the year was. So they had ties. So I'm assuming that there were some ties with him and Bobby Johnson, and they were, like, leaning on guys they knew. And then and I'm like, why are they drafting North? Like, that was a bad O-line. That Like, the Sam Hartman got killed that year. Like, maybe they and see how? something. So Bicknell Jr. Bicknell Jr. went to Wisconsin. And Wisconsin, which traditionally has great lines, their line was so atrocious this year. They fired him just like a, a month ago. They re, or they reassigned him and hired somebody that does else. Not, that does not surprise me. <laughs> and that's the tree we plucked from when we took 
Josh Azudu and oh, Marcus terrific. Azudu. You know what? There's 50 minutes left in the day that is February 7th. <laughs> I, know, I know we don't usually like to film. We don't like to film. We don't like to date ourselves in podcasting, but there's 50 minutes left in the day that is February 7th. You just ruined the rest of it. <laughs> at least at least it's less than an hour. Uh, but, uh, but that's what we do here. We, 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 we dig up the most useless information to ruin people's day. Um, but as soon as you said the Wisconsin O-line guy, and I was like, oh, I, I know Jack Bicknell coached this guy. And that's go. why I asked, was he literally like, poorly coached? It always ties I've back to the Giants somehow, huh? <laughs> it's it's always a Giant thing. <laughs> it's a Jack Bicknell Jr. Giant giant scout. Uh, <laughs> Gi- right, Giants, um, Giants 2022 draft scout because Joe Shane didn't trust anybody in the freaking building because he had to go... <laughs> He had to go off of his own his own notes and observations for the first four rounds of the draft, and then the rest of it was oh whatever, <laughs> whatever. Like, if, you're hey, Bobby. 40, if you're a top forty visit, you, we'll just you, you'll just. I mean, this is what they do every year. If you're a top forty visitor, you're 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 a giant. You're, I I am right. this year. I said this last year, but I'm even. I'm doing this again this year. If the Giants have a top forty visit with somebody, I think I should have at least three pages of notes for each player they have a top forty visit with. That's fair. Because odds are, guess what. He's a giant. Like, this, yeah, this, this podcast should solely be based on who the Giants have top 40 visits with. Except for it's they'll, be they'll the ruin most. it. As soon as you do yeah. it, they'll just stop using top 40 visits. So, we, like, I, I, I told Monty, like, we, we put in, like, we're going to have put in six months of work of evaluating. By the time we're done, like, well over 100, probably close to 150 prospects. We'll, we'll like, have notes. We'll have a big board, a vertical board, a horizontal. We'll have everything set up. And then the Giants are just going to take whoever the fuck they want and whatever fuck pick. And we're going to be like, who? <laughs> and we're, we're going to get DMs. Like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? And I'll have no idea who that person is. The, um, and it's going to be it'll, it'll get like I, the first round. You're going to be good, right? I, I think all of us yeah. will be good. First round, all of us are going to be good. It'll get to like the end of the second round and it'll start. It'll start. It, it'll start. Like, <laughs> and the, the 2022 draft, because of how COVID screwed everything up, did you see, like, that was the first year that Bobby was like, I am going to know everybody. Everybody. Did you see we were on stream? Bobby had a public meltdown because he didn't know who Cordell Flott was. Yeah. Because, number one, we barely had any notes on Wanda Robinson. The only yeah. note that I had on Wanda Robinson is, uh, who's the former Notre Dame coach? Charlie who? Uh, Brian. Uh, Charlie Weiss. Weiss. Oh, Charlie Weiss. Charlie Weiss. Charlie yeah. Weiss. So Charlie yeah. Weiss, one of, you know that big, the big tub of blue, of a man, went on Sirius XM Radio and said, "Oh, Wanda Robinson reminds me of Dave Maggette." I'm like, "Okay, cool." I was listening to Sirius XM Radio that day, so I'm like, "Okay, giant note, put that in my head." And then lo and behold, with the second pick of the draft, Giants draft Wanda Robinson, and we're like, "What the who the fuck is this guy?" And I I'm like, like, "I like, like Wanda, but yeah, I'm I like know. Charlie Weiss said he, he reminded him of Dave Maggette from the '80s." <laughs> <laughs> and then the I, third I, round comes. We take. Oh, that was horrible. You know, because Josh Zuda first. Yeah, Josh Zuda first. Well, at least yeah. Bobby knew who that was because Bobby. Bobby. We had a top thirty visit with him the day yeah. of the day of okay. day two. He just looked at him like that day. Um, and then they took Flot because he was you know super young, and we were looking at all these older guys because you know oh they have you know look at this guy with a lot of games, a lot of stats, and mocks and you know the 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 rankings and whatever so they take this cordell flock guy 
and he loses his mind. He's like, I put in all this work. I do all this. this. And, and all of you are watching to know who is this guy. And I don't know who he is. And that's just front. And he was bashing that coconut. And it was it was one of the best <laughs> displays of emotion I've ever seen somebody have publicly of like what he was feeling internally just melted it on screen. It was, it was going to do it to us again. It was they, a they are 100% going to do it to us again on day two and day three. I'm I'm so sure of this. That's why I'm like, just give me a quarterback in round one so I can be at peace for day two and day three. Yeah. Like, please. Nobody, that's, that's nobody, nobody will care about the rest of the draft. No. You take – if they get up there and they're like, whatever, J.J. McCarthy at six, like some people will hate it, but the majority of the Giants will, will just breathe a sigh of relief and say, okay, <laughs> we're good. And nobody now, will just care about the rest of the draft. No, the, the whole discussion for the next three months will be when will J.J. McCarthy take over for Daniel Jones? That'll be the discussion for the next maybe six months, whatever. But yeah. um, it, it's going to be – but if he doesn't do that, if we truly just go BPA, he is going to piss us the hell off by the yeah. end of day two. Like guaranteed. <laughs> like guaranteed. All right, before we close, like we're going like two hours strong. I'm loving it. I appreciate your time. I know we both do. Um, you you want to close out with any giant-related tidbits or anything you want to go through before we shut this down? No, I mean that was that was basically it. The the tidbits that you know we kind of heard at the Senior Bowl, I, I kind of gave both, and you know I, the, the the other tidbit, a, a lot of I actually lost a, a tidbit person when Wink Martindale left, so that kind of sucks for me. Uh, um, uh-huh. And uh, you know, I my my belief and want for the Giants to trade up, I I think is also shared by the Giants front office. But as we talked about, it takes it takes two to tango. And that's that. I mean, I'm not really a tidbit person, but you know, you know what? I'm not. You know what? I'm not gonna not say that because we get we us at you know what we do over at TG whatever. We Danny King even breaking news a little bit more than you know some of the beat people. So I'm not gonna I'm not <laughs> gonna shy away from knowing a little bit. So um, yeah, but no, fellas, thank you for having me on. Uh, this 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 was a lot of fun. I'm very proud of myself that I did a lot better than I than I thought I was going to do because again I don't cons- I don't consider myself a, a draft person I don't really consider I don't really consider myself like a football dude the more that I'm doing this and I think I'm gonna kind of lean into that um, <laughs> so I, I have a, I have a lot of fun I like the Giants I like the game of football I'll talk about it do, you, you know my do you know my Cold Stone Creamery of grading draft prospects that I write this down on every draft player that I do what what like it. I mean, this is the Cold Stone Creamery sizes. Like it, love it, gotta have it. I don't, yeah. I don't grade players by, by round. I don't give, I don't grade players by a letter grade. I grade them with like it, love it, gotta have it. Hey, whatever works. I mean, that's probably about as that's probably as good as you know seventy two, sixty five. You know, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's kind of how, the same how, thing. What is the difference between me giving somebody a seventy one or a seventy two? No, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing all right well we we appreciate it you're, so justin you're our first guest as we said we appreciate all the time you gave us hopefully we'll have you back sometime um we'll, we'll as the draft comes up maybe more or whatever as the season goes on we just started this having fun so we we'll see what kind of what kind of stuff we go into but um for i'm sure everybody knows you but why don't you tell people your handle and about talking giants and we'll, we'll just start with that as we close out yeah, Justin Penick, P-E-N-I-K. Um, I asked Michael Penix if he thinks that we were related, and he said, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> which was an insane, insane question. Um, <laughs> yeah. I said, you could be honest and say no. He's like, I don't know. 
maybe. And he put on that 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 smile, that damn smile. Thirteen I love reasons that why. Clip. <laughs> <laughs> that smile, that damn smile. Um, yeah. So Justin Panic talk Giants. The bigger thing is if you're still listening at this point, JM Football, um, uh, John Boy Media Football, but it's JM Football on YouTube. That's like the main thing that I'm tackling right now um, and trying to really grow that. And that's the thing that the company wants and to really grow our football coverage and to, to get that YouTube page and to get that brand up. So if you enjoy what I'm doing with the Giants and you want to, you know, it's a little bit more personality stuff. It's a lot more NFL stuff, NFL based stuff, too. We do a lot of trivia videos on there. That's the thing that's doing the best right now. So JM Football, want to check that out? Check it out. And fellas, I appreciate you having me on. We'll put the we'll put the uh, Twitter handle for that if you don't mind on our when we post. I would this. love that. Yeah, yep. let's do that. Um, is that is it Jam Football? Is it Jam Football Tips? What's the what's I mean, the handle? I'm going to check right now. It is at it's at Jumboy Media FB. Okay, we'll put it in Got the it. description. We'll put it in the tweet. No, it, it's on it. your it's, it's on your Twitter. No, we'll put it in. Justin, we really appreciate your time. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Hope you stayed for the whole two hours. If you don't, we don't care because uh, <laughs> you don't hear this. Uh, but no, uh, we will be back next week uh, doing another live show. We'll get to we'll get you guys uh, some more details on that. Uh, follow us at He's a Giant Pod. Follow Monty at Monte Cristo at M O N T E C R I five T O. Follow me at Queens underscore guy. Like us, subscribe. We're on everything YouTube, whatever you guys know by now. Um, thank you guys, and we will see you next week. Go Giants. Giants.